Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Then. Excellent. And good morning to you. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five and this the month of May in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, where I successfully avoided people and roses and parades and parades of roses and ships and the lifting of bridges all weekend long. So... One in the wind column for me. It is uh, Tuesday, May 26th, 2009. Thank you for uh, joining us today. It's 503-228-4101 if you would like to be a uh, part of today's show. 503-228-4101. Uh, coming up inside uh, today, we have Dax Holt from TMZ.com, who's going to join us later on. Sorry, I'm drooling a little bit. I don't know why that is. Do you ever have days where you just... It's like you're it's just not everything is sort of functioning correctly, and uh, that's really gross. I'm, <laughs> yes, it is. I don't know if there's some if it's some sort of canary in the uh, some sort of canary in the coal mine, uh, like in terms of all of my upper body functions. There's days where I just manufacture saliva faster than I can get rid of it. I, I don't know why that is. In any event, uh, Don Taylor from Cinematical will be joining us today. Also, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian uh, will wrap up the weekend box office. And I'm a bad geek. I failed to see Terminator Salvation. I mean, I meant to, but it's like I just didn't want to leave or go anywhere or do anything. I think I think a lot of other people put it off, too. <laughs> yes, they did. It's on their list after mowing the lawn and cleaning out the garage. And- Actually, now that you think about it, in a weird way, maybe it was represented. Because it's not that I didn't want to see it in and of itself, but I did. Uh, you know, when we talked to uh, uh, the director McGee on Friday, was you know, great guy. sounded like a, sounded like he was a decent person with all the right aspirations and goals with that film. But then, as I was telling Laura, see, here's the thing about working at radio is you can just pass off just any number of juvenile behaviors as show prep or as things you need to do because you need to be, you know, honey, I need to be able to relate to the people. So I'm just going to have to stay at home and play this new video game all weekend. So, like when Dead Rising Two comes out. By God, I'm just going to have to squat on the sofa all weekend and eat beef jerky while shooting zombies in the face. Why? Because I have to understand what the people are doing. So that was going to be my thing about seeing Terminator uh, Salvation, which I knew she wasn't necessarily like in the mood to see. And then I said, well, you know, I just I got all this other stuff to do. So then Friday comes, Saturday, Sunday, uh, yesterday, and you know, and I and I never did see it. But in a weird way, maybe it makes me more relatable that I did not see Terminator Salvation because apparently that was the choice that massive numbers of Americans made this weekend. So, all right, uh, let's see what else is coming up uh, today. We have a copy of, here's something you don't hear too often. I'm going to read this right off the copy. The people who published uh, uh, the new Chuck Palahniuk book, Pygmy, I swear to God they've asked us to describe it as the Manchurian Candidate meets South Park. Is that pygmy or pygmy? What? Like pygmy? <laughs> it's too early in the morning for this. What do you mean? Is it pygmy or pygmy? Is it two words or one word? Oh, no. It's pygmy is in... Uh, is that a pygmy. small... Well, that's not a small person. That's a midget or a dwarf or a small... A little person. 
A pygmy is, it's a good question. Tim, what is a pygmy? P-Y-G-M-Y. How are people supposed to buy the book if they don't know what it is? No, but I'm just saying, is that a, a traditional, I mean, if I were to look up the word pygmy in the dictionary, what does it mean? That That's not just a colloquialism for a little person. That's They're two different things, aren't they? I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> this is going to be one of those questions I ask, and it's going to vanish into a black hole here in the room. It's going to go into a void. All right. Well, in any event, uh, so we're going to be giving away a copy Pick of the me. new Chuck Polinick, or I'm sorry, as it says, Charles Polinick. These are very ethnic groups whose average weight is usually low. There are pygmies in Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, and the Philippines, but none here. Why are they calling him Charles Polinick on the uh, on the book copy? That's kind of weird. Sounds Maybe like a stockbroker. Oh, man. This is going to be one of those days. I can already tell. It's 503-228-4101. Uh, so uh, we've got uh, all that coming up today. Steve Kastenbaum from uh, CNN Radio New York uh, will join us as well, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, that is on the way. Because apparently, apparently North Korea has been firing nuclear missiles everywhere or setting them off underground. It's something distinctly unnerving. So... All right. Well, to accompany us all uh, through that in just one moment will be uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. Good morning, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Good morning. Right. Oh, it's kind of a struggle to wake up at four after being able to sleep for three days. Oh, man. And here's the thing. And, and I now it's daylight longer and it's warm out and people are outside screaming. <laughs> yes, Go to sleep. Go to sleep. People are constantly doing yard work, too. There was a, We're having a great time out here. Too bad you have to go to sleep. Oh, man. And there were some guys. I live not too far from this apartment complex, which is just filled with the finest people on earth. Uh, and they were having, you know, the obligatory cookout. But it's like they don't really have backyards, so they just do it sort of, you know, like in the parking lot, which is fine. Except they were all drunk and singing what sounded very much like it was. I, I don't. It, they weren't singing sublime songs, but it was sort of that. It was like this weird frat boy kind of reggae. And there was five or six guys that had just had, I don't know, probably 80 or 90 cases of beer between them. And were just sitting there swaying drunkenly back and forth and singing this weird sort of like bleached out white boy reggae at the top of their lungs. Does it have the dirty banner on the side of the building that says you're a future home? <laughs> yes. If you lived here, you'd be home right now. And crying. Uh, anyway, so that was, and it's like that sound that is right at the, the frequency that it drifts in past the white noise generator that I have in my room, the little white noise machine, past the air conditioner, past everything. It's like no matter how much I try to sleep, all I can hear is the guys in the apartment building next to me singing some terrible version of No Woman, No Cry while I'm trying to go to bed. So, summertime's here and it's glorious. Oh, I did use the air conditioner all this weekend, by the way. And so that's, it is now, we've officially reached uh, summertime, in my opinion anyway, because I two days in a row I had to turn on the air conditioner to sleep, and that was fantastic. All right, did you go camping this weekend? I didn't end up going camping. I just ended up sitting by my friend's pool all weekend long. Running bikes, sitting by the pool, drinking beer. Excellent. It was amazing. Good for you. It was like the greatest, yeah, it was like the longest, greatest weekend ever. You know, and the great thing about getting up at like 3, 3.30 to come to work is that you can get up at 8 a.m. in the weekend, but it still feels like you've slept in because you've, you know, you slept in five hours normal, uh, later than you normally mm-hmm. would. So anyway, so we'll have uh, more to talk about in terms of recapping the weekend. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. It's 5.08. It's going to be sunny all week. Highs in the 80s for those of you going to sleep early. And the sun will be bright till 10 o'clock at night for the most part. (laughs) Just beaming into the wind no matter how how much you wish it was gone. Yes. Well, this being the holiday weekend, there are all kinds of nasty things to tell you about. Uh, So I'll try to separate them here. The mother of the kids who cops say either pushed them or threw them out the Selwood Bridge... Into the Willamette, drowning one of them on Friday will be arraigned today. Her name is Amanda Jo Stott-Smith. The four-year-old boy drowned. 
His seven-year-old sister was rescued when passers-by heard her screams on Friday. Smith was later found on top of the uh, one of the downtown Smart Park garages, threatening to jump. For some reason, they talked her out of it. Ten people have been hurt in a crash on Highway 6 in Forest Grove. Among the injured, a 16-year-old girl who was a life related to OHSU. It involved three cars. Here's what we know. A Toyota pickup slammed into a BMW, which pushed it into the opposite lane, hitting a Ford SUV. Campers have been evacuated after a wildfire burned 30 acres so far southwest of Bend. About 100 firefighters have been brought in. The flames have come within a half mile of campers. No buildings or people have been injured so far. Well, here's some good news. All you carnivores, bacon-flavored vodka sales are all the rage in Seattle and expected to catch on here in Portland. It's 30 bucks a bottle. Recipes include bacon Bloody Marys, bacon chocolate martinis. Come up with your own. There are 13 distilleries making this kind of vodka in Washington State, and believe it or not, 17 in Oregon. Isn't that that thing? Do you, you have a bacon Bloody Mary not too long ago? I did at uh, Genie's. And it was with a bacon-infused vodka? It was really, really very good. Excellent. Well, it goes without saying that people love their bacon. Other news. Well, if Scruffy needs a scrubbing, never fear. The Dogomatic puts a rover on the rinse. The device is like a car wash for canines. It comes out of France, where everything is clean. Uh, they presumably know a thing about pampered pooches as well. Britain's Daily Mail reports that Dongo Ram is the invention of 31-year-old Romaine Jerry, who insists it doesn't harm the pet. You just insert your dog into a closet-sized device that's anywhere from 20 to $88, depending on the animal's size. That's like the third scene of any bad science fiction film for the 1950s. You know, what happened to Dandelo? I don't know. He's just a stream of cat atoms. So apparently it drives off the dog, too. But that is the longest part. But the dogs don't seem to get bored. They just sit there and come out clean and dry. Yeah, that seems almost... Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. That seems like that petty paws uh, thing, which I was almost suckered into buying because of that commercial that shows red jagged bolts of pain coming off your dog every time you want to trim his toenails. But I uh, I distrust anything like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's a major event, of course, the Rose Festival between Southwest Needle Parkway, between uh, Southwest Jefferson and Burnside. Through June 9th, from 10 a.m. to 3 o'clock, Monday through Friday, all hours on weekends. They're going to be active loading and unloading Rose Festival activities, resulting in intermittent closures of the right northbound lane of Southwest Needle Parkway. Do I speak for all of us when I say that we successfully avoided the Rose Festival this weekend? I did. I even forgot about it. I didn't even go downtown. (laughs) Yeah, excellent. All right. See? There you go. Here's the thing. And I think that we speak for a lot of people in Portland who, when the Rose Festival happens, that becomes the whole goal, is to avoid having to interact with it in any way at all. Especially because, as you said, it results in bridges and roads being closed everywhere you go. And in some part of it, isn't there like some... uh, not just the parade, but isn't there some, is it like a foot race or a, or am I confusing that with something else? There's there, like a foot race every weekend here. For see, something. but that's the thing is you can't really tell what's associated with the Rose Festival and what's not because it seems like about every four days. And it's always on like a Saturday or Sunday when I'm trying to get downtown for something. And you'll come down at around 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, let's say on a Saturday. And as soon as you get anywhere near, it would be, you know, like, well, like around where we are, like on First or, or NATO or something. And you'll just start to see streets blocked off and cop cars parked there. And you realize that there's some damn thing with a bunch of people with numbers pinned to their backs. And there's 5,000 of them in the streets. And you figure, okay, you know what? I'm going to go get some breakfast. I'll get some coffee. I'll, I'll do whatever. And then I'll come back later. And then around 1 in the afternoon, they're still at it. 
A bunch of damn stragglers wandering through the streets like some sort of zombie marathon uh, while you're trying to sort of kill time until the streets clear up, and it never happens. It takes forever. All right, let's uh, do this. We'll get uh, caught up straight ahead. We have seen a radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum. Then more from Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on, Don Taylor from Cinematical and uh, Dax Holt from TMZ.com. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Available anytime, anywhere. Visit KUFO.com right now. And good morning to you. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. All right. That's much better. I brushed my teeth. I think it's remedied the whole situation. All of these weird... Uh... Good. So that means we don't have to talk about it anymore, right? Just saying. All of my previously extant oral defects have gone away. If you'd like to email, it is rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at KUFO.com. Tim at KUFO.com. Or Nibbler, N-I-B. L-E-R uh, at KUFO.com. We have uh, more news with Tim Riley straight ahead. This, however, from New York City is CNN Radio correspondent and man of the world, Steve Kastenbaum. Good morning to you, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing pretty good. Had a day off yesterday. That was nice. I was, I actually, uh, you know, we, we typically in the past, we've made a habit of kind of coming in and working on a lot of the holidays, but we were doing this, KUFO was doing this big kind of music countdown thing and Plus, we're just an inherently lazy people, so uh, we decided just to sort of say sod it uh, and stay home. Um, but I, but the news never stops, of course. And so I was actually wondering if you guys were uh, if you guys were on the clock yesterday. Uh, most of us uh, were, but uh, I looked at the schedule and realized if I took a day off, uh, it wouldn't hurt the product too much. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to work this holiday. <laughs> Excellent. That's the uh, that's the attitude that makes America great. Can I stay home and possibly get away with it without uh, you know, without looking like a slacker? Hey, and then real quickly, there was this uh, this uh, it was like a, a, a like a Starbucks or something where somebody there was a bomb or something exploded. Something went to uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, did you hear the uh, hear about this? Like at three in the morning, uh, somebody placed a uh, homemade bomb on a bench outside of Starbucks in Manhattan, and it went off. We've had a series of these things happen, like periodically here in New York. Some guy riding around on a bicycle uh, actually once drove uh, rode through Times Square at night and or early in the morning and threw a bomb at the door of. Uh, that um, armed services recruiting center that's uh, pretty right. famous in the middle of Times Square. And, and then we've had some bombs, small bombs like this go off in front of Starbucks before. So everybody's wondering, is it the same guy doing this? Because nobody ever seems to get hurt in these, uh, in these bombings. Be like sort of the George Metesky of a, uh, of a modern era. Um, hey, so uh, speaking, well, this is a terrible segue. I really didn't mean, <laughs> I really didn't mean for these to be back to back. I was going to say, speaking of bombs, Let's talk about uh, North Korea. But so is this one of those things where North Korea is actually setting off nuclear weapons or is it like they just are they just claiming they did it because they know that we weren't really there and we can't we can't disprove it? You know, just a wacky bunch of people there setting off nuclear weapons, uh, doing a test. Yeah, they set off a test of a nuclear weapon. And now this morning they test fired some short range and uh, medium range missiles this morning. So the United Nations Security Council, for, for once, is actually unanimous in their condemnation. The uh, Russian ambassador, Vitaly Cherkin, stated so. The members of the Security Council voiced their strong opposition to and condemnation of the nuclear test conducted by the Democratic People's Republic of Korea on May 25, 2009. 
which constitutes a clear violation of Resolution 1718. Oh, you don't want to violate 1718. No, and you do have to give them the chutzpah award, for, by the way, for actually having the word democratic in the uh, in the actual name of the country, the yeah. Democratic People's Republic. But didn't they, wasn't there a thing like, I don't know, maybe... Maybe six or eight weeks ago where North Korea was claiming that they'd fired some nuclear missile somewhere, but like there was no actual evidence of it. We couldn't we couldn't really ever figure out if they'd done it or not. They fired a missile, but uh, one of the stages failed, according to our surveillance. All right. And so when we say that we're going to seek, uh, what is it, what their government said, we're going to seek strong measures uh, to make sure that they don't continue this, that doesn't really mean anything, right? It means we're just going to start to sit there and stare at them from across the room and be kind of angry about it, but really ultimately do kind of nothing. Well, we already have pretty strong sanctions against uh, North Korea, so it remains to be seen what more can be done without, you know, further starving the people of that country. You know, you don't want to cut off aid to the point where uh, the uh, everyday citizens are, are suffering even worse than they already have it. So it remains to be seen what can happen. And, you know, the Security Council member nations, when it comes to sanctions lately, they can never seem to agree on anything. So... I wouldn't hold your breath. Uh, and real quickly, as we sort of uh, wrap this up, I know it's like a one, two, three bad news trifecta. But um, and then General Motors is what we got. What we're down to like a week or ten days or something. Where General Motors is either they're going to figure out if they're going to file for bankruptcy or restructure, or they're just going to be hosed, right? They have to restructure their debt, uh, and the Obama administration has set a June first deadline, but GM set a deadline of today for their bondholders to restructure the bond debt. And they say if they can restructure that, they, they might be able to avoid bankruptcy. You know, the Obama administration, uh, every, everything behind the scenes suggests that they're going to uh, try and push GM into bankruptcy, but uh, it's all dependent on whether they can restructure this debt or not. You know what they ought to do? I, was, I think a while back it was uh, you that I was talking with. We were saying that my wife wanted some sort of mutual fund that was just invested in nothing but, uh, like, sin and, and vices. But, you know, it would just be like... Whiskey and lotteries and guns and whatever. You know what they ought to do right now? They ought to have a mutual fund that just invests you in companies um, that actually help other businesses or citizens with bankruptcy or financial problems. Because if you get if, if your business has got to file bankruptcy or if you got to liquidate in some way or if your entire business has got to get sort of um, in a financial sense raised to the ground and then rebuilt, you got to figure that requires the services of outside businesses and other firms who have to come in and do all the logistical handling of your bankruptcy. So there ought to be a mutual fund that just invests in businesses that help to facilitate bankruptcies of other businesses. You know, it's one of the few places that's actually uh, hiring. It's one of the few businesses that are actually hiring on Wall Street. As if if you're in uh, uh, the accounting field in some way, like uh, or uh, accountability, because they have to restructure all these companies now uh, and and uh, meet new criteria set by the government. So if you're uh, if you're into all that stuff with numbers, you know everybody uh, might have thought it wasn't an exciting career, you know when you chose that uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But now it's the only, one of the only places you can find a job. All right, see, that's an idea. I'm going to give that idea to you uh, for free today, my friend. That's my Thanks. gift to you. Hey, really quick, uh, I know you got to go, but um, uh, New York is starting to resemble Portland. Uh, did you hear what happened in Times Square with uh, closing off Broadway to traffic and keeping it uh, uh, for pedestrians and bicycles? Oh, I bet that, bet that went over well. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get out there today because yesterday was a holiday. So, you know, there wasn't as much traffic, but I can't wait to get out there today and see the confusion 
and, and the mayhem as the cars approach Broadway where it closes off to traffic and you have to turn down those side streets that, that never move faster than five miles per hour. Well, if you know me, I love mayhem. And there's really nothing that will cause that, especially because you get the twofold thing. One is you're closing off a street. And the second is you're closing off a street to make way for bicycle and pedestrian traffic, which just has the end result of driving uh, people in cars bonkers. I mean, they just go immediately just white hot with rage. It's so. going to be awesome. I can't wait to get out there. <laughs> Excellent. You know, that's why we get along so well, Steve, because you and I have the same outlook on humanity. Well done. All right. Have a, a fantastic day, sir. See you. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. That's wonderful. Excellent. Tim Riley, what uh, stories are we tracking on this? Uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday morning. They are numerous and many. An unruly sailor man dies after cops tase him. Uh, here's something destined to fail. A Twitter TV show. Terminator Salvation has a disappointing opening weekend. And Mel Gibson confirms... Yes, he got his much younger girlfriend pregnant, and yes, he will divorce his wife. <laughs> You're a class act, Mel Gibson. Way to go, God guy. It's the way God wants it. Yeah, that's right, Tim. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, do this straight ahead. We have news with Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Later on, we'll talk to you, Christy Turnquist in the Oregonian, who will wrap up the weekend box office. Don Taylor from Cinematical. And we'll be giving away a copy of Pygmy by Charles Polinick. Say the copy points. Back after uh, this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Here's the Foo Fighters. It is Monkey Wrench. It's Tuesday morning. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. What? Man, Sarah oh and her Dylans. On Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Tuesday morning, and uh, good morning to you. Sarah Dillon, can you sweeten my microphone ever so slightly? Thank you so much. Uh, 503-228-4101. This is Tim Riley at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is now 537. And in the news today... my <laughs> Even without looking over, I can tell at this point when you're sort of stretching because you're trying to find your news sheet and it's lost inside a pile of stuff somewhere. But I'm, I'm trying to work with less space. Yes. I'm, I'm doing the best more, I can. More with less, Tim. Yes, I am. I'm confusing things more than less. Well, 10 people have been hurt in a crash on Highway 6 in Forest Grove. Among the injured is a 16-year-old girl who was lifelighted to OHSU and involved three cars. A Toyota pickup slammed into a BMW and that pushed it in the opposite lane, hitting a Ford SUV. Lucky to be alive, that's what the father of the surviving uh, daughter says after the mother either pushed or threw her kids off the Silwood Bridge of the Willamette River. The mother, Amanda Jo Stott-Smith, wanted to end it all by jumping off the Smart Park Garage downtown, but was talked out of it. She'll be arraigned later today. Portland police want to speak with Marcelino Diaz-Rivera about his girlfriend who was shot four times in her Gresham home over the weekend. Although she was here as the injury, she was able to tell the cops the two got into an argument during a baby exchange they found his abandoned truck with a childhood baby bottle and of course several unopened bottles of alcohol what is a baby exchange is that like one of those things where chicks who are the same size get together and swap clothing or something i'm not sure if these two are swapping clothing i'm tired of this baby who has a different baby for me for a while 
So they're having a baby. Is that is the baby exchange where they have where they share custody or something, or where he yes. gets the kid part of the time? Ah, yeah. it was the baby handoff. The baby handoff. And then it's hard to believe that some sort of sort of, sort of spat could come out of that, especially in Gresham. And it ended with her being shot four times. Yep, and his vehicle abandoned with uh, baby things and unopened alcohol bottles Wait, inside. Geez. Wait, so where's the baby? I guess the baby has been taken by the authorities to well, recover. That seems like the right thing to do. I uh, think it is. All right, but she's she's alive, right? Is she's her... alive. She was able to speak with the cops even after being shot after four being times. Shot, that's Gresham tough, Tim. Mm-hmm. That's not just regular Hardy. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have a taser watch. Here's your taser watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. This happened in Salem over the weekend. <laughs> this is what happens when I take an extra day off. That's okay. You know, I came to work without a belt today. I couldn't figure I out why know. my... Um, well, nobody that? would notice. No, nobody would notice, but it's the thing where you... You, you can realize why your pants are falling Well, down. that's the thing is that, you, yeah, your pants aren't fitting quite right, and you, you're thinking to yourself, like, if I put on, like, an old pair by mistake, or is this like a... If I has something torn in them because they're not you know they're not fitting quite as well, and then you reach down and you just and you you realize you're not wearing a belt. And here's the thing: it's not like the belt is going to make or break the pants today. I mean, it's not like they're going to be falling down or whatnot. But that just sort of unnerves you because the belt is a thing I put on 364 days out of the year. And so the idea that I didn't put it on today, that just gives you a little bit of insight to the fact that your brain isn't functioning quite properly. But that so then you have to be even more alert for the rest of the day because you're not quite sure what the next manifestation of that sort of brain lock is going to be. I'm sorry. Here's your taser watch. So this uh, happened in Salem over the weekend. Gregory Rold is dead. After Salem police zapped him with tasers, and then they clamped him with a baton. The uh, 37-year-old had a history of mental problems, which included harassing residents of the apartment complex where his mom lived. He resisted, uh, resisted violently when he was told to leave the complex after being banned by the landlord. Why was he banned? Well, he would peek in residents' windows uh. and make sexual comments to young girls. And some say he had a, the mind of a toddler. But what toddler is making <laughs> sexual comments to young girls? I'd like to see your breasts! I'm sorry. That was that was. I was going to do that. that. Was... Thank you for saving me from doing that because that's exactly what I was going to do. Well, I mean, that's what you're thinking, right? You're thinking of Stewie from Family Guy, <laughs> exactly. But but less charming, probably, and uh, without his charisma, asking some question about your junk. So nobody likes to think about that. So I'll do it for you. All right. So uh, that's that. He is dead, and he put up a fight, but only the cops can win in the end. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, Tim. There's your taser watch, Salem style. Rick Emerson show. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. Watch out for hungry sharks. Pacific Coast surfers may be keeping a nervous eye out for sharks, and so should you. A conservation group says it's actually the sharks who are in danger now 
Julie Arner of the Pew Environmental Group says reports of the shark's demise are being overblown. You are much more likely to be killed by a vending machine than by a shark. These <laughs> shark attacks are just fluke. They rarely happen. I think she's being paid by the shark lobbying group. And I'm just picturing like a soda machine coming out of the bottom of the Marianas Trench and <laughs> dragging surfers away with it. The, uh, you know, it's, it's like, Coke, run for your life. <laughs> That's an idea for a commercial, really. It's just a thing filled with Mike and Ikes coming out of the bottom of the ocean and just snapping off your legs. That's awesome. It's time now for a national shark management plan, and Congress is working on that right now. Under the proposed law, if a ship is in U.S. waters and is carrying shark fins, those fins must be naturally attached to the shark. This is really important for enforcement of the law and for scientific data collection. Could they be glued back on with anybody know? <laughs> Just a fin glued to the shark's face. Uh, no, I found him that way. It's uh, it's fine. Can we come in? That'd be great. That's awesome. Um, hey, just uh, before we get to the end of the shark story, I don't yes. know if we're at the Is there more to this? Yes, there is. Oh, let's do that. Okay. Uh, hunters are now killing 50 million sharks a year. Don't ask me how they get that figure. That seems Someone's sitting there with a clicker, dead shark, dead no, shark, no. dead shark. 50 million? <laughs> waiting, for the, waiting for the shark to swim past the red line. 50 million <laughs> sharks are being killed. 50 million. I mean, how many people are engaged in the killing of sharks? And how many hours a day? I, I mean, the ocean would be littered with boats side to side killing 50 million sharks a year. That's like that. Um, I, I haven't seen any shark killing jobs open. That, Apparently, they're all filled. <laughs> it's it's a growth Resume, industry. Tim. <laughs> That's like that's your application to be a shark killer. <laughs> we need to kill fifty million this year. Let's up it to sixty million next year. <laughs> that's like that statistic that came out. I don't know. It was some ludicrous thing they said 15 years ago, but there's 10,000 acres of rainforest being destroyed every second. And then somebody figured out that that, that if it, they were destroying 10,000 acres of rainforest every second, which is one of those things that everybody just repeated, like without thinking about it, that the entire planet would be gone within like a day and a half or something. Um, so if there are 50 million killed this year, then they must be really busy, these uh, the, the shark people doing it, because there are 50 million extra sharks for the next year. Well, and if you can kill 50 million of something every year, presumably from multiple years in a row... Where were they being stacked up? Well, then how could the thing possibly be endangered? You know what I mean? Like, if you killed 50 million... Look, if you killed 50 million people every year, like in this country, I mean, I think it'd probably four or five, six years, you'd have a pretty empty country. If you can kill 50 million sharks a year, it doesn't really seem like that's a thing that we're running short on. Where are the dead sharks? Are they cremated? Or are they stacked somewhere? That's some a good pier? question, Tim. I don't really know. So somebody actually had to count 50 million sharks dead. And that's, the, as, as, that's another question, especially if they're killing 50 million sharks a year, presumably for, for the fins, like I get... Like that, the the rest of the shark probably isn't being used for much, which means that the rest of the sharks Decorative probably just purposes, being, I suppose. yeah, or just or just being you know put into an incinerator or something. So who is the? You're right. Like who is the International Dead Shark Regulatory Agency that is coming around and asking each business, all right, how many dead sharks in this building? Seven hundred forty-three thousand. That's great. Wonderful. Check. You're right. That's a that's there's, a made-up no figure. Shark marshal in charge of all this is there? Shark marshal. No, no, there isn't. Well, I guess I have to conclude that this story is made up. <laughs> The end. By the way, I should say this. You know what I uh, what I got from Netflix, but have not watched what um, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Oh, you have it. Though? Did you all see the trailer for that? I oh, did. Yeah. yeah, it was on the YouTube. I don't know if it's still on my uh, my website. I think it may have been knocked off the front page by now. But um, let me see. Oh, it's still there. If you go to uh, if you go to the bottom, if you go to RickEmerson.com right now, you go to the very bottom entry. 
And it just says Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. It's a film uh, for the Sci Fi Channel starring Deborah Gibson uh, as well as Lorenzo Lamas. Um, and I've got it at home, and it's like, I was going to watch it last night, but I didn't really have time because I knew that I had to go to bed, and uh, as Tim said, I, I had to go to bed so I could uh, be kept awake by the shrieking sounds of my next-door neighbors. And the, We're having such a good time out here. <laughs> and, the, and the white-hot sun blazing in through my bedroom window. Um, so it was sitting there, and I haven't quite watched it because I didn't want to get halfway through and then have to go to bed, or conversely, watch the whole thing but stay up really late and be exhausted. So tonight, I'm going to try to watch, because uh, my wife is, uh, this week, Tuesday through Thursday, my wife working 2 p.m. to midnight. So I get home, get the rest of the day to myself, then I'm going to watch, uh, I'm going to eat the worst food I can possibly find. I don't even know what it is yet. I'm going to figure out the worst single thing I can put into my body food-wise, and I'm going to eat that while watching Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. It's going to be a glorious night, I can already tell. Here's Tim Riley. Five Battleground Elementary School kids set up a lemonade stand over the weekend in an effort to save their teachers' jobs. The kids of Maple Grove Elementary raised more than $50. Give up those, huh, give up those dreams now, kids. I guess we are teaching young people something, Tim. It's that it's the trying harder never helps. It doesn't. But it's a start. <laughs> uh, all right, this is where... Battleground. Oh, you're in battleground. What do you need teachers for? I mean, really, honestly. I mean, have Don't work at the sawmill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, here's Tip Riley at the news desk. A woman admits to trying to buy it an air steward after downing a cocktail of wine, drugs, and liquid soap. A woman has pled guilty to punching and trying to bite an air steward after downing some wine, prescription drugs, and toilet soap. Russian-born Galina Rustinova, who lives in London now, in a more civilized area, trying to bite the attendant on United Airlines flight while snapping like a dog. <laughs> the Russian woman was on her way from L.A., where uh, she had gone to visit a man she met on the internet. Of course. <laughs> Seeking woman who drinks liquid soap and snaps like an animal. Her flight was diverted to Bangor, Maine, where she was arrested and charged with assault. An affidavit had stated she had taken prescription drugs and drank alcohol and liquid soap. From a toilet. What? <laughs> Why? Look, Prior to the I know sometimes it's hard to leave those old world ways behind, but what is the selling point of drinking liquid soap? Sarah? Not a clue. Okay. I don't, well, she was kind of bonkers on medication, right? I guess, but I mean, what kind of medication makes you drink liquid maybe soap? Maybe it's like, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe it smelled alcohol y to her. Maybe that's the way they celebrate on those special days in Russia. <laughs> She's a respected artist, or was. Well, vodka is really expensive over there. There's like there's something like a, a fifth of vodka in Russia now. It's something. It's like something like the equivalent of five hundred and fifty dollars because they figure that's the way to keep people from from drinking, which always works, by the way. Like it, it keeps people from smoking here while taxing it. Exactly, or keeps people from doing, say, cocaine. That's always the way to get people not to do something is to make it illegal and make it really expensive. So maybe that's how they celebrate a glorious workers' revolution in uh, in the mother country. Uh, the trouble started about three hours aboard the United Airlines flight. She became very intoxicated, found it hard to get into her seat, and kicked the seat in front of her. She fell asleep and then began bothering the passengers, moving around the cabin, speaking incoherently while she was awakened. Uh, she drank a bottle of liquid hand soap from a lavatory on the plane as yeah. the flight attendant looked on. Liquid soap is sometimes consumed for its al- sometimes consumed for its alcoholic content. Where? A crew member asked her to get back in her seat. Then she waved her arms like some crazy <laughs> Russian woman. The attendant tried to uh, control her by putting her arms around her, but probably couldn't reach all the way around her. They moved her to the plane's gallery. Uh, other members of the staff tried to calm her down. Then they were assaulted by the crazy <laughs> Russian. 
She then uh, was handcuffed to a crew member's seat in the back of the compartment. She told FBI agents after her arrest she took prescription pills and drank wine because she had a fear of flying. <laughs> and when she when she starts screaming incoherently, I imagine just a bunch of huge soap bubbles coming out of her mouth, sort of Hanna-Barbera style. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, let's do uh, one more here, and then we will uh, take a break. One more. Well, uh, Gene Simmons is clarifying some of the remarks regarding American Idol runner-up Adam Lambert. Answering a letter from fans on his website, the classic rocker calls the budding star a great singer. Uh, he would be great for Queen. While responding to a previous letter, the blood-spitting bassist said he didn't think Lambert was a rock singer and that his voice, quote, didn't seem to have a rock quality, unquote. Simmons notes in a later post that he sees Lambert as possessing similar qualities to Freddie Mercury. You know, what's weird is that uh, Brian May, who was the guitarist for Queen, actually was quoted, and this wasn't like a source close to the band, but this is Brian May himself said, because I think on American Idol, did they, it was, Queen was there, right? The other guys in Queen were yes. when they did We Are the Champions uh-huh. or whatever. And I think Brian May has actually said over the last day or two that they would not be averse to to recording some material with him and seeing uh, how it sounds. So uh, they, they don't think uh, Mercury would have been a good mix as a singer for Kiss. And they said, well, Mick Jagger wouldn't, quote, work in Queen, now would he? Unless he was given an application. So it remains to be... So I guess there, there's no job opening on Kiss right now. No. Well, they have to cut back like everybody else. <laughs> uh, that's right, Tim. Um, the So I guess the Please deal keep is... keep in touch. The, We'll keep your resume on file for Kiss. We'll keep your resume on file for thirty days. After Kiss is which... an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> Please, no calls. Um, but I, uh, but I guess the deal is that Queen kicked Paul Rogers to the curb, which is fantastic because he's a great singer, but he's an awful singer for Queen. Could it be the, the worst possible choice you could imagine to front that band. I mean, not that anybody can replace Freddie Mercury anyway, but Paul Rogers. I mean, for the love of God, it's like you're just aiming for suck sort of deliberately there. Um, so anyway, but I guess they're going to maybe record a song with the Adam Lambert guy and then kind of see where it goes. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up uh, in the next hour, we have CNN. I'm sorry. We have uh, uh, Oregonian uh, writer Christy Turnquist who will wrap up the weekend box office. Don Taylor later on from Cinematical. This is Led Zeppelin. It's Rock 101, KUFO, the Rick Emerson Show. KUFO, Portland. Indeed, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It is Tuesday morning, and uh, good morning to you. It is May 26th, 2009, ladies and gentlemen. 503-228-4101. Coming up inside this hour, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will uh, recap the weekend box office. I mean, I feel bad for not seeing Terminator Salvation, especially because it sort of underperformed at the box office. And you even talked to the director on Friday. I talked to the director. Well, and here's the other thing. I talked. We talked with McGee on Friday, and he seemed like a great guy. So I feel like even uh, even more of an ass. But then it was beaten by Night at the Museum too. That Battle of the Smithsonian, and we talked to those guys too. And I didn't see that either. I mean, I didn't. I'm trying. I mean, I want to say that I didn't even leave the house this weekend. But it's. Uh, but then I'm asking myself: Is that actually possible? Is it possible that I went home Friday afternoon and did not, in fact, leave the house once? No, I guess no. That's I guess it's not possible because I mean I came to work on what is what is today? Today is is Tuesday. Tuesday. So I guess Sunday I came to work for a bit, and on yesterday I think I walked down the street to buy myself a large pastry from the local uh, coffee emporium. But I think that's about it. So 
I mean, I didn't really do anything. Uh, that, I didn't really do anything that required looking presentable or shaving or really dressing myself properly in any way. So I spent yesterday all day playing ping pong. Good for you. Excellent. Um, I did get a great, somebody sent me this great analysis of, um, it, it was what they sort of uh, pictured uh, uh, Tim doing over the weekend. I'll have to see if I can find it. Did somebody, did they send this to you too, Tim? No, I, the only email I got over the weekend was interesting. Someone very excited about what kind of car I have because we mentioned it so much on the air. Really? It's like, so, some Bentley that I keep in <laughs> some, that I very seldom take out. Will you please? Norma Desmond style. <laughs> We don't want you. We want your car. <laughs> Excellent. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, here's uh, here's your uh, personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good was, morning, everyone. Yes. I was going to try to do another Sunset Boulevard joke there, but I couldn't come up with anything. All right. Well, that's what people think. Yeah. yeah. Good morning. It is 6.06. It is going to be sunny today and the rest of the week. High temperatures in the 80s. Make sure that air conditioner is working. You are going to need it. Oh, it is. And, you know, and I always forget. I mean, I don't forget how great the air conditioner is, but but it's always just a nice, it's a nice feeling when, uh, you know, when you turn it on for the first time because, you know, you sort of keep it, uh, you know. But my dad used to do this thing during the off season of packing the the air conditioner full of newspaper. And I guess maybe that's because it was, it's, it's if it's in like a window unit. This is back before the they had the central air. Um, I guess if you have a window unit, there's a theory that like uh, the cold air could come in through the air conditioner during the winter or something. So he would like fill it full of insulation or whatever. But then you would unpack it and you clean it out and you blow the fan to get the dust out. And then you would turn it on on the first really hot day. And then you just get that great cooling breeze that comes right out of it. It's just the most wonderful sensation. And um, there's and there's something to be said for the temperature of the bedroom being. You know, a little bit on the chilly side, and then you get in the bed, and the bed itself is nice and warm. That's the other great thing about running the air conditioner in the summertime. So it's uh, it really is what makes us a great country. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tim. Christopher Clausen dropped a burning cigarette on his lap, losing control of his car, crashing into a porch at a low over the weekend. He's charged with reckless driving. Beware of the Beaverton purse snatcher. He's operating in the Cedar Mill area. He's a white man, around five foot eight, medium build, short brown hair. He's taken up at a lady ripping her purse from her shoulder over the weekend. Well, wouldn't you know it, the mother who either pushed or threw her kids out the Silverwood Bridge or the Willamette drowning one of them on Friday has a record of domestic abuse. Amanda Jo Stott-Smith, who recently moved down over to Walton Home, has been in a custody battle with the father of her oldest son who was not involved in Friday's incident. He was away. Smith was involved in a domestic assault in 2000 and a shoplifting incident in Clackamas County two weeks later. So it always happens when kids are the victims in these things, they always have like Different last names, mm. every single one of them. Well, and uh, yeah, and I just—it's just—I woke up to—I guess it would have been Saturday or Sunday morning. I woke up and I turned on the, you know my computer and I went to Yahoo News or whatever, and that was right there in the headline. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, and so as so I was reading it, and then there was sort of news trickling out about it over the next couple of days. It's just uh, just a horrifying, angering thing. Well, I have something to cheer you up. Thank you, Tim, and make you feel good about yourself in your own hometown. Really? Yes. Kennewick produces twin geniuses. <laughs> that seems unlikely. And they're both girls. I instinctively disbelieve this story for any number of reasons. Yes, it's time to double the fun with Chloe and Mackenzie Hall. They are the twin valedictorians of Kennewick's Southridge High School. They both maintain a perfect 4.0 GPA and excelled at sports. As a matter of fact, Mackenzie broke the Kennewick girls' pole vaulting record. I demand to see a photo. Do we have a photo of these uh, of, of these fine Kennewick girls? Not yet. We should go look, though. 
Even though they uh, both share clothes, the twins don't plan on sharing a room together when they oh, they enroll in Eastern Washington's University in Cheney this fall. Oh, that's Eastern Washington University. That's uh, right outside of Spokane, Washington. Yeah. All right. So Kennewick has twin genius. Well, first of all, the idea that Kennewick, which is my hometown, produces geniuses at all of any kind, that that's an idea that is immediately suspect, uh, in my opinion. And the idea that it would be in the same family that is uh, that is an equally suspicious claim. I will say this: we don't know if they're Kennewick natives. Well, that see, that's the thing. I was gonna I was gonna ask if they are just living in Kennewick or they're from uh, Kennewick originally, because Kennewick because it's so heavily dependent upon the nuclear industry. There are a lot of families that move. You know, they move there because dad is like some sort of astrophysicist or whatever. And he gets a job out at what they call the area, which so is these they, might be Mr. Burns daughters. That's Jesus. exactly Tim. They might be transplants from somewhere else and they might be transplants from a country that is not our own. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot. Kennewick is actually a city of uh, many blended cultures. Because a lot of times when they when they go to find nuclear physicists, hard as it may be to believe, a lot of nuclear physicists don't come from Kennewick or That's any. Crazy term. <laughs> it's not like you can. It's not like you can just go to Spokane and go, "Hey, uh, where are all those uh, tabletop fusion experts?" Uh, I mean, they are. We are often obliged to insource from other lands. Maybe they're form of Nazi scientists who weren't given a choice. Kennewick would be better than living in the rubble of your own country. <laughs> exactly. Mr. Von Braun, welcome to your new home. Kennewick? <laughs> <laughs> um, in any event, I will say this. It looks Ken- like Berlin after it was bombed. <laughs> Kennewick, just, I mean, I haven't lived there since I was 18 or I'm whatever. Sure it's changed for the better. No, no, it hasn't. I mean, I go back I go back once a year for my legally van, uh, mandated visit with my mom. And, I mean, someday, many, many, many years from now, when my mother is taken into the sweet embrace of Jesus and his many angels, I will have uh, no reason to go back to Kennewick, and I shan't ever again. That's a place that I will immediately expunge from my mental GPS. But every now and again, I go back to Kennewick. And I will say this. Maybe it is because of the rampant nuclear pollution in the water and the fact that everything there is radioactive. But there do seem to be an astonishing number of twins in Kennewick for some reason. I don't know why that is. It's almost as though everybody is carrying around uh, trace amounts of hazardous waste material that's somehow corrupting their DNA. Can you believe they don't have a picture of these twins? It's just a Google map with a dot showing where Kennewick is on the map. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm sure, they're, uh, I'm sure they're a pair of great beauties. Damn, I have, uh, I have no doubt about that. Why no picture? Let me, just, let me just say this. The only twins in Kennewick I ever knew... Uh, who were attractive, and they were scorchingly hot, were these twins that I went to school with. And they, of course, were from somewhere else. They were from Texas, where they grow women differently, I think. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about sexting. It's the newest thing that all the kids are into. Have you heard of it? The sexting thing? Well, two Madison teens, Madison being in Ohio, who were charged earlier this year with sexting nude photos on their cell phones, were sentenced today in Warren County Juvenile Court. The team submitted the charges of contributing to a delinquency of a minor, misdemeanors of the first degree. Court Justice Mike Powell sentenced each to 100 hours of community service and counseling. The male teen was sentenced to house arrest with 30 days, while the female will be required to submit a research paper to the court relating to the dangers of sexting. It has to be double-spaced. There was nothing to indicate that what happened here was... Um had any deviant sexual motivation. So uh, we wanted we wanted to craft a disposition that, that helped them, that hopefully sent a message to the community to deter others from engaging in this type of, of conduct and, uh, and also to hold them accountable. This is so retarded on like a hundred levels. First of all, what does that mean when he says 
So this, what is it? Is that she sent a nude photo of herself to the guy? I guess so, yes. Does, I mean, did they clarify in the story exactly who sent what to whom? I'm looking here. Who did because, who? first of all, like, I don't be one of those... I don't be one of those guys who's always screaming about how things are tilted against well, The worst part men, is the teens but... have to turn over their cell phones to a probation officer for 30 days. Uh, be locked up. Seriously. Well, you know, especially when the probation officer knows that they're apparently full of, full of porn or something. Um, <laughs> but it's weird. But I guess my thing is it's weird that the guy is getting house arrest, which isn't like as bad as going to jail, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Whereas she has to write an essay. So she has to write a paper about something. The guy's under house arrest. That seems a little skewed. He might be older. It doesn't specify. Well, but here. see, okay, but that goes back to my other thing. So if this is presumably, and I'm guessing that, that she sent a nude photo to her because it seems uh, to him because it seems like that's the way it typically works. Is the is the girl gets asked to send send me a picture of your dirty pillows, and then she obliges, and then they bust both of them. So if she sent a photo of herself to some, first of all, I mean. Look, I, I, it just seems like I cannot imagine. But they could have been charged a felony level child pornography charge and would have wound up being labeled longtime sex offenders. <laughs> Me love you, longtime sex offender. Um, so I'm just just going back to Kennewick for a moment. Everybody and Sarah, Sarah, I think, will agree with this, that there's really just two types of people in the world. There's, let's say in this case, girls. There's girls who will take nude photos of themselves and send them to everybody, and there's girls who won't, and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do to change that. I think I speak for everybody when I say a girl who will take a picture of her whatevers and just text them to some guy or just to send them to somebody, that's a personality type you're just not going to change. There's not going to be much altered about that because, I mean, that's a thing you would not do, but I guarantee you went to high school girls. you went to high school with girls who would or did oh, on the completely. technologies of the time. No, and I still know, yeah girls who make poor decisions with pictures or like in life with stripping and stuff or that's the uh, you know or that's the same you know what it is that's the same type of girl that is putting up some uh skanktastic photo of herself on myspace i mean there's just and there's like you can't fix that that is that is a, that is an aspect of your personality that's not going to be altered no matter how many papers you were forced to write finally so i'm presuming it's the girl that sent a, a nude photo of herself to the guy so what does it mean then when the guy says in the the, the little soundbite there the guy says we are satisfied that there was no deviant sexual, um, what is it? No deviant sexual plan here, and no deviant sexual motivation. I guess they just did it for fun. Is that because it's from a girl to a man, and therefore it's in keeping with God's plan? I mean, what exactly is that? That's a strange thing for the guy to say in terms of the actual case. That is. That was right. Judge Mike Powell. Right. Speaking of that, Representative Paul Bloom of Georgia wants to make 2010 the year of the Bible. He says this country needs to return to the principles of the good book. The year of the Bible will help people to understand what the importance of the importance uh, principles all about Mm -hmm. as we as we go forward to make our nation secure, free and and great again. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it's time (laughs) to help the government get back on track to its responsibilities. And the Bible is the best way to do that. We have forgotten that in Washington. We're. Heading down a road that's going to destroy our nation. We're headed towards a total government control of everybody's lives, a loss of freedom, loss of our money, loss of our private property. What does that have to do with the Bible? I have no idea, Tim. But in Georgia, it makes sense. He's a brilliant man. All right. Valedictorian. Could have a twin. Him and his twin. Him and his twin. Straight ahead, uh, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will wrap up the weekend box office. And I've got in front of me this essay entitled, What Tim Riley Does on His Weekend. I want to hear it. Fantastic. Because I don't know myself. Uh, here's the ACDC. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. What a catastrophe. This is Rock 101 KUFO. 
Cueca. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Tuesday morning. I mean, I guess it's Tuesday morning everywhere. I mean, here in America. Never mind. You know, I shouldn't try to do any sort of advanced uh, linguistics uh, at all before I have my second round of caffeine. You shut up. (laughs) Damn you. Uh, real quickly, before we talk to Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian, who will uh, wrap up the weekend box office for us, Tim Riley, what uh, stories are we following on this Tuesday morning? So President Barack Obama has chosen appeals judge Sonia Sotomayor with the Supreme Court, making her the first Hispanic in history to be picked to wear the robes of justice. We'll have more on that in just a few minutes. Uh, Colin Powell says he's still a Republican and a guy who slid 500 feet down Mount Hood and almost broke his neck is recovering at home. Is this that 90-year-old guy? No, this is a different guy. Is that di- wait, is this a different... Is this the guy that slid off Mountain Hood two weeks ago, or is this somebody that just happened last this week. weekend? Last week. Oh, so that makes more sense. It's hard to keep track fell. of them. Well, People are always sliding and falling off Mount Hood. Well, because aren't we entering... This is... We're entering the peak Mount Hood falling season, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you're just picturing a yellow sign halfway up the front that just shows like little stick figure guys sort of plummeting off the side of the mountain. So this is not the guy we talked about Last week, no, that this was... guy's 54. All right, yeah, because he's that... just a youngster compared to the 90 year old. There's a 90 year old guy that just, I can't wait to go fall off things again. Uh, and, and finally, uh, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not. We pulled this, and I don't know if we actually got to it. Because uh, it, it's been rumored for a long time that Martin Scorsese uh, is going to be doing uh, this Sinatra film. Oh, yeah, we didn't get to it. So I guess he's saying now that his pitch to play Sinatra is. is. Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm unclear how I feel about that. It's uh, a bad idea. I remember uh, when he was cast to play Howard Hughes in that ridiculous movie. <laughs> he looked like he was about 12 years old the he entire time. He looked like time. Wayne Newton playing <laughs> Howard Hughes. I mean, really. That's fantastic. Fingernails. All right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian uh, pop culture writer extraordinaire Christy Turnquist. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. How are you this morning? I'm a little goofy because that, that joke that I just did that only that it's really stretching it to call it a joke. By the way, only works if a you you know who Wayne Newton is. <laughs> b this is the sort of joke consultants frown on. Uh, b you understand that I was parodying Donka Shane and badly. And three you know that Howard Hughes uh, quit clipping his fingernails for about six months at one point. <laughs> if you know all three of those things. You know, I scanned all three of those things. Yeah, but see that, but and that still doesn't get you past the hurdle of is it in fact funny, which it probably wasn't. Uh, that only gets you into the what the hell is he talking about uh, room of uh, of jokes. I so. understood. Thank you, well, Tim. It doesn't matter. What I'm really, <laughs> I'm just... you know, we just we just don't talk about Wayne Newton enough. I think. Well, that's true. Hey, <laughs> let me ask you this: Have you ever seen a videotape of you know some like a, his performance in Vegas? Have you ever seen him? Because I'm, I'm clearly you've never gone in person. I just know that without even asking. Heavens no. Oh man, here's the best thing about Wayne Newton when you go to see him in Vegas is it's just nothing but these sort of weird house frows that are sitting in the in the first couple of rows, <laughs> and he's up there and he's singing poorly. I might add. And then he's, as he sweats, and Wayne Newton sweats a lot. I mean, he's he's one of those guys where I think he's had so much Botox and so much pore removal. He looks like one of those women on the cover of Cosmo that has no pores or openings in his skin of any kind at all. And so he's, he can't sweat out the face. So it's like the sweat on the rest of his body comes out at like a triple rate. And so he is constantly having to wipe the sweat from his body with these gauzy sort of pastel scarves, which he then... 
lovingly drapes over the women in the front row who fight over them and then clutch them like to their faces. This this sort of weird, bad, lacy the kind of uh, material that has just been used to soak up the body fluids of Wayne Newton. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, with all of his extruded sweat. That's what I'm saying. So you don't try to if you've never seen him perform, try to avoid it at this point. It's it's not going to work well for you. It's uh, it's going to be a thing you wish you could unsee. <laughs> Uh, hey, how do you feel about the casting of Leonardo DiCaprio alleged? I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, still in pre-production, but the insane. theoretical. What's that? That's nuts. Oh, I see. I think he ought to bring back uh, um, what's his name, Ray Liotta, who getting a little get a little up there age-wise, but who played Sinatra really well in that Rat Pack movie. I mean, I well... think he did a he did an admirable job. I mean, wonder if they just get Kurt Cameron. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Scorsese and DiCaprio. It's like they're they're joined at the hip now. Here's the thing about Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is that um, I mean it's not like he can't act. He can certainly you know he's certainly a gifted actor in many ways. But that thing about looking very young that just becomes a double edged sword at a certain point because yeah. on the one hand he's going to be like eighty, but he'll still look eighteen years of age, which means that he won't get cast in those young guy roles because he's just going to be out of that age group. But on the other hand, he's still going to look. I mean, even if he, at his oldest, he'll probably still look too young to be taken seriously. It's very strange. He's got this sort of big, he's still got this big sort of baby head on him, which is very odd. It's all out of proportion. He's a full-grown guy. He's all sort of, he's got, the, he's got the wobbly head and the skinny neck. Here's the other thing about Leonardo DiCaprio. There's nothing, I mean, not that he's not an attractive guy, because he is, but he's not, a, he doesn't seem very, he's not a masculine-seeming guy. In other words, there's nothing really sort of rough and tumble about that guy. He's, uh, you know, he's very sort of pretty. And, I mean, Sinatra was certainly a, uh, maybe a pretty-ish kind of guy when he was young. Really but, I mean, young. he had a, a real machismo to him, which Leonardo DiCaprio does not seem to have. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I was afraid that that's what Scorsese was going to do. I, for some reason, they have they have a great working relationship. Well, you know, bully for them, but it just, yeah. I mean, I can't really come up with a better choice offhand. I'm only saying Ray Liotta because he was in the Rat Pack movie with, uh, with yeah. Don he's Cheadle. and long uh, on the tooth now, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know. <laughs> Boy, and every time you see Ray Liotta now, don't you just, uh, just, I mean, this is a horrible thing to say. I saw Observe and Report, which is really a fantastic film, but Ray Liotta is in that, and he comes on the screen, and every time Ray Liotta comes on the screen, no matter what movie you're seeing him in, don't you have that little voice in the back of your head that goes, it's uh, it's Goodfellas, Ray Liotta. And I mean, which is, <laughs> which sucks for that guy. I mean, because he's just, to do your singular defining work so early on, I mean, it's a little depressing, probably. Um... All right, well, speaking of uh, films, so Terminator Salvation, I guess, underperformed at the box office, as they it say? Underperformed, and it's, and it's interesting because, you know, before it opened, there was a lot of um, sort of speculation about whether, you know, that, that famous sort of epic hissy fit that Christian Bale had on the set, you know, that got leaked virally, you know, all over the Internet, whether this was going to sort of cost him a, uh, his box office clout. And at first I thought, oh, that's ridiculous. But mm, now I'm thinking maybe maybe it has an effect. I don't know. I mean, it, uh, it, it was number two, but it was beaten by uh, Night at the Museum, too, which I guess has the family-friendly thing going for it, although Terminator Salvation's PG-13. So it's not like it was even limiting its own audience. Yeah, but those trailers for Terminator Salvation made it look about as much fun as, you know, going through a slog through the, you know, dump. (laughs) (laughs) The slog through the dump. It's Terminator (laughs) Salvation. Uh, It it did not seem... um, It didn't seem like it was going to deliver on the promise of some of the early trailers. Well, 
I got to say that I, I kind of checked out with the whole Terminator franchise after the second one. I thought, that's enough. I've had my Terminator fix. I don't really need to keep coming back to see how they, you know, find new ways to play with this weird time travel continuum thing, which also seems to be just the thing in pop culture these days. Well, and I, I saw this. Somebody sent me a chart that uh, some website, I mean, Technorati or somebody had made this website or had made this graph, and it was it was a graph actually. And I know we talked to we actually talked to McGee, who's the director of Terminator Salvation, on on Friday, and I asked him like my first question was, when you're making any sort of a movie that has to do with time travel, don't you just have to sort of throw in the towel right at the beginning and say none of this makes sense? It's all gibberish. And he said yes, but if you because if you look at this flow chart showing the travels of all the characters and how they intersect. I mean, it'll just it'll just give you cerebral collapse yeah. uh, trying to fathom it. Yeah. So, all right, uh, yeah, there's, there's too much of this going on in pop culture right now. I mean, there's Lost doing it, and actually, even you know, Star Trek does it. Fringe ended its season with it. Everybody's in these sort of time travely alternate universes, and it's like my head is exploding. And so, other than the first two movies at the box office, which were not at the museum and Terminator Four, I don't even really know if anything else opened or what else was out there. Well, Star Trek did really well. Again, it's it was number three, and from what I'm seeing, people are now saying it's on track to be the largest grossing movie of the year. Well-deserved, I might add, because I went to see it again over the holiday weekend. Fantastic. And really enjoyed it. And then Angels and Demons, which was last week's number one, fell all the way to four, so that's not looking too good. Although it's doing really well abroad, but, you know, what do we care here? And then Dance Flick, which is... Yet another one of those Wayans family parody productions uh, opened in number five. Do you get the feeling that there's just some uh, some uh, like overseas factory full of Oompa Loompas just churning those <laughs> movies out? You know, it's like there's there's somewhere they're making like epic movie and date movie twelve or whatever already. Oh, just, yeah, so, this is, so all right. But I don't know that the, the main thing that I'm sort of upset about right now is I'm totally skeeved out by Mel Gibson and his pregnant girlfriend. Oh man, uh, we're going to be talking to somebody from TMZ about that later on. And Tim, we're going to hear from Mel Gibson on Leno. Tim just excitedly waved a piece of paper at me when you said that. When you said Mel Gibson, Tim looked over at me and went. There, there was this great sort of. As he excitedly uh, flashed a piece of paper in front of my eyes. But I'm glad Christian Bale did badly because he shouldn't be behaving like this in this country. I'm trying to make that kind of money in Britain. That's right. Deport him immediately <laughs> until he learns some manners how to act in America. He's lucky he's a guest in these colonies. It is a privilege. That's right. Excellent. Speaking the plain truth, ladies and gentlemen, it's Deport Tim Riley. Uh, we should totally start <laughs> Do you want me to try to go ahead and save deportchristianbale.com? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I get, think he is because he's country pushing people around. <laughs> Tea drinker. Um, what, are you, uh, what are you working on for the Oregonian, Christy Turnquist? Well, let's see. I am going to be uh, asking people sort of what they're, uh, you know, what they're thinking about leverage shooting here, because it seems like it's a good thing for people locally who work in uh, film and TV. And so I'm going to be talking to those people this week and coming up with a story about sort of what kind of impact it's having on local folks in terms of jobs. Fantastic. Excellent. Christy Turnquist, read her in print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Thank you, Christy. We will uh, talk with you next Monday. Okay. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. There you go. Christy Turnquist. Ladies and gentlemen, that's wonderful. All right. That's right. Go, go home and throw one of your tantrums in Wales, friend. Uh, all right. It is uh, 503-228-4101. Uh, straight ahead. Tim will excitedly wave again that piece of paper with Mel Gibson's uh, name on it. But we'll actually have sound. Yes, we have. All right. That's awesome. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Dax Holt from TMZ.com and Dawn Taylor from Cinematical. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. 
web blog, streaming, podcasts, and complete archives of everything. Who's an obedient girl? I am. Visit KUFO.com right now. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for... Uh... Thank you for joining us. God, you... Sometimes we're not as funny as we think we are. Well, here's the thing, is that we are hilarious, but only in certain contexts. Here's what we're talking about, by the way. So over the weekend, uh, if you heard the KUFO 500, which is the countdown of the 500 greatest songs uh, ever played on Rock 101 KUFO, that went all weekend long, uh, all the way uh, through, I think, last night or th- this morning. I don't even know what... Until 4.40 this morning when the music ran out. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. When the music died. So the... <laughs> Uh, but so we were not here yesterday doing our regular show just because the countdown was already kind of scheduled. We were committed, you know, I know you're having a big station event, but this is about me and my voice. You'll make room. So uh, so we were not here yesterday, but Sarah and Tim and myself recorded some liners that were, uh, you know, that were to be used yesterday, that was played during yesterday's show. So I was just listening back to some of them, seeing if they were hilarious. And I haven't listened to all of them yet, but I can already tell you that the liners that Sarah and I cut I think they seemed funny at the time because we've been up for like 40 hours and hadn't slept. We were slept. so proud of ourselves. We thought we were just so funny. And they may have been funny yesterday when they played in conjunction with the music. They're not funny now, uh, sort of isolated from anything else. So we'll uh, we'll get to some of those here in just a uh, Maybe just if a I few. put them between like bumpers or something, maybe it'll we sound We do a like it before and after, like with and without music. Okay. Are we telling people to stay tuned for something that sounds terrible? No, that'll be, yes, Tim. Well, aren't we always? Really? I mean, in the grand scheme of things. So that, we'll do that in the next uh, segment at the top of the hour. So uh, in just one moment, we'll have news with Tim Riley. Hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, how you doing? What's up? Hi, how can I help you, sir? Well, uh, you were talking about DiCaprio a little earlier, and uh, I just wanted to call you and uh, offer a difference of opinion. So this is Scorsese who's talking about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio playing Frank Sinatra in the biopic he'll be creating, yes? Yeah, I don't know about that. It's kind of like Carl Urban playing McCoy, but when I saw it, yeah, I went, yeah, that's good. But anyway, with DiCaprio, I wasn't much of a fan of his when he was younger. And uh, as he grew and did parts with various different really high-profile actors, I started to become uh, more and more impressed with his ability to do character acting, but he was still a pretty boy. Well, that's it's, it, it's not that he can't act, it's just he looks so young. That's it's, I just I just don't know how he would pull off playing Frank Sinatra after like the 50s, you know, because he just he always looks like he's around 25. That's kind of my only my only issue with it. They do pretty amazing stuff with prosthetics nowadays, but uh, my, my thing that I wanted to comment with was about him, uh, you know, in tough guy roles. Yeah. And uh, I, I started to become impressed with him after I saw The Departed. And then there was uh, the uh, one movie he did with Russell Crowe, and he's an undercover agent in uh, Afghanistan or uh, in Iraq or wherever. Well, and then he did Gangs of New York, where he was, I mean, he was actually not oh, yeah, too... that one too, yeah. He was pretty passionate in Gangs of New York. The Departed was good. Uh, the, the, my only, I just remember watching um, The Aviator, that Howard Hughes thing, and just... And he was totally believable early on, and I think, Tim, this is the point you were making. That early, you know, when he was just playing, like, the young, up-and-coming sort of rapscallion, he was fine. But as soon as he was supposed to be, like, crazy 65-year-old Howard Hughes, it just, uh, just completely uh, took me out of the film. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Uh, there's uh, that guy weighing in on that. Uh, I think he's a little stock. Maybe they'll, like, stretch him. <laughs> 
What even if they stretch him? That makes no sense at all. You just put your hands together and then pull them apart like he was a piece of taffy. Do you mean he needs to be taller? I guess so, yes. He's, he seems to be a bit he, too stocky person. Huh? He is a diminutive man. I would give you that. All right. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Stretching Leonardo DiCaprio like taffy. I like that. Well, good morning, everyone. It is 6.48. Here we are back again live. It is Tuesday. It's going to be sunny all week. High temperatures in the 80s. Get that air conditioner going. Some breaking news. First up, President Obama has chosen federal appeals judge Sonia Sotomayor with the Supreme Court moments ago, making her the first Hispanic in history to wear the robes of justice. She's 54. She will succeed retiring Justice David Souter. I hope she's not a liberal activist, Judge Tim. I think she rules from the bench. Uh, Speaking of that, uh, ruling from the bench, uh, California will decide at some point today... uh, what to do with gay marriage down there, so oh, oh. we'll find out. Sorry. Right. Was that me or was that Sarah? Was, was that it you? doesn't matter. Where did that sound effect just come from? I don't know what you're talking about. I want to make sure that it's turned off. All right. That's not me. Local uh, relatable information. <laughs> Due to filming at five locations downtown, police are going to redirect traffic on Southwest Broadway at Alder, Southwest Yamhill Park, Southwest 6th at Sam. You'll never remember any of this. Southwest Taylor at 5th and Southwest Morrison at 5th. They are filming during rush hour today. Oh, Jesus. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, that sucks. I'm going to be home. I don't care. <laughs> Not my problem. That is relatable, Tim. I, can, I for the one, can relate to that statement. Early in the morning, we miss all this. We're home. You know... While others may no not... No my problem. <laughs> See, and that's, a, that's really what makes this the most American program there is, because it doesn't directly affect me or my life, so really I'm going to quit caring once this newscast is done. But that, that sucks, because that is right... So that's like right around... Um, I want to say it's Washington Mutual, but it's not Washington Mutual. It's, it, but it's yeah, just like it, a key it's banker. Area. So it, it's the key bank is where it is, and it's where Camera World mm. uh, is, and now I'm doing that Portland thing again. It's where that coffee people used to be right there, in the corner of Fifth and Washington, Still near the old Clancy place, <laughs> but that sucks because that's going to interfere with not just traffic; it's going to interfere with the Max and the bus lines. It'll too. destroy our lives. <laughs> also, de- don't forget to make matters worse as if they weren't already bad enough. <laughs> through June 9th, from ten to three. Oh, this is before that. Monday through Friday, and all hours on weekends. There'll be active loading and unloading for Rose Festival activities resulting in intermittent closures uh, of the right uh, bound lane of Southwest NATO Parkway. Oh, uh, the suck has come to our little town. All right, well, there you go. So uh, so have have fun with that. Your day is now irreparably ruined before it's even begun. So uh, enjoy enjoy your day. Well, it could be worse. You could have tumbled off Mount Hood. Like this guy who nearly broke his neck, now recovering at home. 54-year-old John Krieger slipped on some ice, plunging 500 feet Broke a vertebrae in his neck. Knocked out cold. He was flown, though, by the stylish Black Hawk helicopter to OHSU. Now, we see, he wasn't by himself then, so some people no. must have been there with him, and they said, hey, look, a guy, and he's falling, and then they called the helicopters. Yeah. Here's an interesting question. If you're hiking on Mount Hood, and uh, someone in your party does this where he slips and tumbles 500 feet, who do you call? Uh, you just call 911? I guess so. I would. That's interesting. And so how do they even, do you just call 911 and go, hey, I'm on the side of, <laughs> the side of a mountain. Please come get me. Or do you, I wonder if there's a specialized, or do you have to be carrying a GPS or something? I would imagine they told everyone to carry a GPS. If, if they don't, well, that's their problem. Oh, I get, they do actually, because now that I think about it, it was a couple years ago where there was that guy that went up there, mm-hmm. and he off, they offered to give him the GPS for like $12, and he said no. And then up there, and then, and then you know, he just turned I'm into a... I'm a real man. <laughs> now he's a man sickle. Uh, because I he would was... die with a broken vertebrae, <laughs> bleeding from the nose.
Don't come looking for me. <laughs> if I can't crawl home under my own power, I don't deserve to come home at all. Uh, all right. I'll just ca- cost the taxpayers about $50,000. They'll forgive me. I'm an adventure resort, a free spirit. There's a- Let somebody else pick up the tab. There's a recession on. Can you spend $30,000 sending a helicopter uh, to uh, come pick me up? From top Not of one it? of those measly ones from Hillsville Airport. I want a Blackhawk helicopter. I'm going to go climb a big pile of ice that is designed to keep human beings off of it. And please send a crew of at least a half dozen to care for me. <laughs> There's Tim Riley. Place in Nebraska looking for a man who stole cigarettes while disguising himself with a beer carton over his head. <laughs> the man goes into the quick stop. Before Don wearing an empty Bud Light box on his head as a mask. Fear me. The man wrapped something around his hands, suggesting he was armed. But the man never showed a gun. The man had left with nine packs of smokes, <laughs> valued at $50. The robbery was captured on video. I have to see this. This is the point. best robbery ever. Where was this? He also dropped the empty 12-pack box before he took off, <laughs> which will be checked for fingerprints. <laughs> And, of course, it shows his face once you do that. Yes, it does. Where was this? Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, that's awesome. Lincoln, Nebraska. Beer carton on his head. Mm -hmm. No gun, but something wrapped around his hand. Stole some smokes. Took off the box before leaving the store. I love people. Nebraska. All right. Then there's the godless Mel Gibson. Soon to be a father-to-be. The 53-year-old actor confirmed the news on the Leno Show in a humorous exchange with the host. Let's listen to this humor. You know, you, you look inside yourself, and right. look, when, when it's all said and done, I did a pretty good hatchet job on my marriage myself. You know, yeah. I'm to blame, you know, and if, if you're inclined to judge, you know, put it here. All right, you are responsible. This is true. It when is have true. A child, it is. Right. Yeah. You know what? I'm having a baby out of wedlock. <laughs> That's everybody. me, America. For you. This is Sarah well, Palin's actually, America. I guess I'm Mel now. So, congratulations. So, what is it there? I cheated on my wife. This is true. <laughs> it is true. Have a child, it is. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Okay. What is it there? They're applauding there. there. This will make 29 that. for you. Congratulations. Well, actually, eight. I guess I'm Octomel now. Oh, no, no, no. Congrat- congratulations on your illegitimate child, Mel Gibson. Well done. Congratulations, Catholic Mel Gibson. So... You can't do both of those things. You can't, on the one hand, go on uh, uh, Jay Leno and be talking about how uh, it, you know you're an a hole uh, who screwed up your marriage by impregnating some other woman, and then ask the audience to clap for I the fact somebody had their finger on the applause button and people just do whatever they're told blindly. Really, just mindless Leno sheep in the audience. Just uh, I applaud and wait for further instructions. I mean, can you imagine waiting in line to see that show? No, no, I cannot. Yes, not people e- do. Not even now. Uh, I mean, just even at this point now that what? Uh, see, look, I know that as as a pop culture heavy show, we're supposed to keep track of things like this. We're supposed to know what we're talking about. Can I confess something now? Sometimes we don't. Uh, no, it, it, uh, often we don't. But we can pull it off with our superior wit and panache. Mm-hmm. Here's something I don't know. I would make a small confession here. Uh, it is a pop culture, uh, you know, uh, czar or whatever. Uh, something I don't understand. I thought Jay Leno had. Okay, what is the deal? When is he done with that Friday. late night show? Friday. So he Did, was done, then he came back, and now he's going to be done. Again. But that was like three weeks ago. We were talking to Roop about how it was his final show. I know. We keep wishing he would leave, but he won't. So this is the the final show that's coming up with with uh, what's it? Lyle Lovett and uh, somebody or other. Yeah, one of those. Huh? All right, well, then I don't know one from another. And then <laughs> he's moving. All right, straight ahead, we have uh, Don Taylor from uh, Cinematical, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Dax Holt from TMZ.com, who will have uh, more Mel Gibson news, undoubtedly.
glorious day to be us. It is Tuesday. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Here's Errol Smith. KUFO Portland. Indeed, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It is Tuesday. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up later on, Dax Holt from TMZ.com. We'll talk about Mel Gibson, proud father and husband, and uh, so forth. Uh, Don Taylor from Cinematical will uh, give us the uh, thing. I was just distracted by her story from yesterday. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that sounds I, like a tantalizing piece of information. Thanks, Tim. I, I'm sorry. I was distracted by something else in front of me. You were, you were distracted by that. I was distracted by this piece of sound. Sarah, was my computer up over there? Yeah. I was distracted by this. I'm wondering if this is what I think it is. Oh, that touches me. Which is Tim Riley, I think. I because, don't remember the context of that. Okay. No, neither do I. And I don't remember the context of a lot of things, uh, such as, let's see, uh... Like, Could it be a the, drunken slut? These. I, you know what I what found? What are those? I just found the folder where Brent keeps all of those show excerpts that he uses for those rejoiners. So there's those rejoiners with There's the one where uh, it says, you know, the Rick Emerson show. And then it has Tim's voice going, impregnating a dragon, which makes no sense at all. And then it says, Rock 101 KUFO. And it's I'll, fascinating that there are, there's someone sitting around who gets paid to do things like this. What is? How is that listed on their resume? Are you talking about us? You're talking about Brent. Brent. Oh, yeah. Going through and pulling the... the you're not, so it doesn't actually puzzle you that somebody's paid to sit around and talk about impregnating a dragon. No. Just that it's odd for somebody to sit and sort of uh, and to go through our show and to pull out, let's see. I have stayed away from it like a bad clam. So why would Christy Trinquist be talking about a bad clam? That makes no sense. I don't know. Uh, so, But as part of that, I found not only the liners that you and I cut for the KUFO 500 weekend, Sarah, but the ones that Tim cut as well, which oh, I have not I heard. <laughs> we heard they one played? of them, I think, on Friday. Yes, I do. Well, I'm sure. I, I think. I mean... Look, let's be honest. I wasn't up yesterday at 5 a.m., so I don't really know. I have uh, I have only the computer's word to go on. The computer says they played, Tim. I wonder if they'll be as glorious as those liners we all uh, cut like the first week we were on the station, where it was like the three of us and Richie, and, and none of them sounded good at all, just not a single one of them. All right, Don Taylor uh, from Cinematical. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. How was your uh, your weekend? Was it satisfying? It was. It was. Um, on Friday, I went to a Beavers baseball game. Excellent. Beavers, the professional baseball team, not the uh, college baseball team, which I guess there's also a Beavers. And then and a high school baseball team. Yeah. And, and then I think on, was it Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning? Do you and my wife and somebody rather get together and do something? Yeah. Um, is this some sort of a, is there some sort of weird club forming that I'm not uh, aware of? Apparently so. Yeah. They, uh, your your wife uh, invited me to come to something with these ladies she knows. And oh, they God. Do this isn't like a, is it like a, it wasn't like some Tupperware sex toy thing, was it? No, it was all these women getting together to make pasta. Uh-huh. Like they were learning how to make pasta from scratch. And I used to be a chef and I've made pasta. And believe me, it's not that much fun. So I didn't understand what the, the deal was. But if you get enough wine in I you, was just going to say, but then you saw the many, many bottles of alcohol that have been set out on the oh, counter. Oh, yes. There were many bottles of wine. And at some point after the pasta has been made and you're running it through the machine, it's just basically like using a Play-Doh fun factory with food. Plus, you know, you're drunk. So that was <laughs> that, that was actually kind of fun. 
Anything my wife does with her friends, by the way, does include the phrase, and you're drunk. <laughs> uh, sometimes staggeringly so. So, all right, excellent. Uh, what will we be uh, having speaks about today, Don? Well, we have a movie starring uh, Mickey Rourke as an Indian uh, assassin, uh, directed by the guy who directed Shakespeare in Love. And Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Dude, it's sitting on my Netflix, um, on my uh, my DVD player at home in the Netflix envelope. Oh, have you seen it? I have seen it. Oh, that is the best thing ever. Why would you not email me and tell me that? Because uh, I just watched it yesterday in preparation for the show today. Oh, so you got it like into, a day or night. Whenever you finish Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, you have to text me. Just I have seen Mega Shark versus I, Giant Octopus. I will be discussing this. How was Deborah Gibson? She was she was quite fine. She was she was all you would expect and more. And points on knowing that she is Deborah Gibson. Sarah, well oh, done. Course. Oh, thank you. Tim Riley, what stories are we uh, tracking on this Tuesday morning? A Gresham man heading to church drove 110 miles an hour to make sure he got there. An unruly Salem man dies after cops tase him. Central Logan wildfires force campers to evacuate. Playboy magazine is for sale. And not even Anderson Cooper can save CNN's sinking ratings. All right, then. Uh, so let's see here. These are, I'll just play oh, a God, couple these of these. ones from yesterday? Yeah. That we so, thought were like genius that probably sounded terrible. We thought, here's the thing, is there is this sort of Chris Farley school of comedy, which is that something is moderately amusing, then funny, then pretty darn funny, then becomes kind of tiresome, then becomes utterly uninteresting, then becomes actively annoying and irritating, then becomes something you never want to see again, then becomes hilarious. And it's, you got to go, but the thing is, you have to see it all the way to the end. You can't stop before you reach the end, you know, before you reach that particular comedic event horizon. Otherwise, you're just stuck at sort of meh. And, you know, and meh isn't really funny to anybody. So, Sarah and I went into the studio on Friday because they were going to be doing this KUFO 500, which is the countdown of the 500, like, greatest songs that have ever played in the station. And that was Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, which is a holiday. So they said, well, look, you guys, you know, we're not going to be doing a show. So can Sarah and, and Rick and Tim, can you guys go into the studio and just record some liners that will play on Monday during the time when the show would normally on during the countdown? And I said, sure, why not? And so Sarah and I at this point, I had slept really badly Thursday into Friday. And I think you had too. Yeah. So we were both kind of loopy and just sort of. I, I, just, I think completely delirious. <laughs> just. Sort of reeling around. I was uh, slumped over in a chair in the office. <laughs> oh god! I know. I think we were just also excited too because three days off, we never get that. And I think, and I already had, I had a bunch of other stuff that I had to be doing, so I was just sitting there, just sort of like, all right, just put me in front of a microphone, I'll make it work. And I think we had this idea in our head that sort of the unpolished nature of our liners would would lend them a certain degree of charm, and I don't really know that that worked. I think it just sounds like we don't know what we're doing. And I think at one point I said the MF word, so. These are some. These are the ones that actually air. So these aren't outtakes. These are the oh liners. God, really? the, these aren't like. Do they hold up? The, what do you think? This, <laughs> here's the thing. This isn't like the the Smokey and the Bandit blooper reel at the end, where it's like, here's some things we didn't put in the movie, but the, the, for your amusement. These are things that actually played on the air. So let's see. We'll just start with the final one. This is. Uh, hey Rick, did you grow up in the Northwest? I sure did, Sarah <laughs> Dillon. Right next to that. Fabled Oregon Trail oh. made into a game later on. Uh, this week, Thursday, we will be talking to Don Rollich, who is one of the guys who created the video game Oregon Trail. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. We'll also talk to Dax Holt from TMZ.com right. and Don Taylor from Cinematical. See how I went through this whole thing without belching or, I don't know, saying mother <laughs> Rock 101, KUFO. Oh, Jesus. Well, all right. So that one's actually not so bad. That's, That's not so bad. moderately amusing. I think we were trying to be hey, funny. Rick. 
Hi, Sarah. What are you doing right now? <laughs> I'm here in the studio live on Monday. I'm not that live. I'm not even here. I'm at home. You're listening are you to like this. And eating I'm, pizza and playing Left 4 Dead. I'm probably scratching myself in an inappropriate fashion. Well, I'm probably laying dead next to a campfire after a bear has mauled me. I'm going- That's odd. Why would you just say that in the middle of a... <laughs> oh, yeah, because I was going camping. But I'm camping did- on Sunday night. I mean, yesterday, last night. I keep interrupting myself. It's a bit dark myself. turn all of a sudden. Oh. Uh, what are people listening to right now, Sarah? Well, Rick, they're listening to the KUFO 500. They've been listening to... Jesus, sweet God <laughs> almighty. I used up all my mouth today. You know, this- <laughs> you know this is all going to end up in there. I know. I don't care. <laughs> they're listening to the KUFO 500. On Rock 101. KUFO. Uh, you, wow. I used up all my mouth today. Oh, God. By the way, cut out the end. I'm just like, hey, we said it together at the same time. It's good to uh, it's good to see that Brent really went the extra mile in cleaning these up. Let's see, let's play one more. Then we'll play some of uh, some of Tim's. Hey, this is Rick Emerson. It's Monday morning. I'm not really here. I'm not here either. This is Sarah Dillon. But if you're listening to me, you are inexplicably up at like 5 a.m. or something on a Monday. (gasps) Rick, Uh. wouldn't it be crazy if we're at home listening to ourselves right now? It's like we're talking into the future. Okay, this is the point on Friday, by the way, when I think you were so delirious that you just sounded stoned. Because do you remember at one point doing like a little 30 second monologue about speaking to your future self? Kind of. This is like telepathy where I'm recording a thing for my future self to listen to or not telepathy, but a thing like that. Do you have anything you need to remind yourself of on Monday? Um, oh, look left right now. Duck. Uh, too late. That's a KO 500. Rock one for 500. What am, I, what am I slurring? I, really? Why didn't somebody pull us aside and just tell us that those were terrible? Well, because Brent's hilarious, and he was just, I think, getting a kick out of... All right. Well, these are Tim's. Together. Let's see. Uh, these Mine are pretty generic. I, I figured that they'll just splice something together to make sense. Hello, everyone. This is Tim Riley. You're listening to KUFO 500. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is it, a NASCAR event? <laughs> That's awesome. So we're no longer Rock 101 KUFO. We are, in fact, KUFO, KUFO 500. 500. Let's try that again. I am Tim Riley. In manner of Russian, I leave articles out of sentence construction. Hello, everyone. This is Tim Riley. You're listening to KUFO 500. Wait a minute. That should be the KUFO 500. That's what I thought. We'll be back Tuesday morning. Enjoy your holiday weekend. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Okay, but still, really like leaps and bounds better than Sarah uh, and I's liners. Rock 101 KUFO. Tim Riley here. I'm actually not here. And you're enjoying the holiday weekend because you're listening to the KUFO 500. (laughs) We're going to be back Tuesday morning for the Rick Emerson Show. Do enjoy your holiday weekend on Rock 101 KUFO. See, now I I feel like such a... breathe anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And every five minutes, someone comes to it. Would you like to go to another meeting after this? Oh, yes. Nothing would please me more. (laughs) I'm a team player. (laughs) Just just shove me under the table. I'm still listening, even though I'm unconscious. (laughs) Hold your meeting. We sound like such pikers compared to you, Tim. Uh wow. All right. So the moral is... Well, I uh, couldn't figure out what I, what I was talking about. Did they just, just shove a piece of paper in front of you and you just... Uh, You're the one that shoved the piece of paper in front of me. You wrote it. Was it just... Oh, just uh, I'm you, reading what you put in front just of me. Just that KUFO liner that I, what, one sentence I wrote out. So you're like the Ron Burgundy and whatever. Yes. I just... Whatever. You called it KUFO 500. <laughs> without <laughs> any context exactly what I was talking Can about. Can I ask a question about this KUFO 500? Yes. Because I only listen to the station Nobody a was little bit when the KUFO you're not here. 500. Uh, I heard some of the songs. Do you actually... Did they actually know? Number them like which number of the five hundred they were. I there you go. there's a whole stack of them. But, oh, okay. Uh, I yeah. I don't know if they were. I don't know if it was a countdown as mm. such, or if they were. If it was like five hundred that were sort of just put put randomly. In other so words, it was just five hundred songs. I think oh, well, it was. Paddock pulled the the top five hundred songs that um, that KF was played. I think it is oh, the five hundred okay. most frequently played songs in the history of the station. Ah. I think that's what it was. But I don't necessarily know that it was. I don't really know that it was actually in in you know like a now number three hundred and seventy five. Oh, okay. Um. All right. So, Peter so there's a go. story about a dead dog. 
<laughs> We're doing live! On that note, ladies and gentlemen. Also, it's an anus where no one wants to live. Jesus. I'm just looking through these files that Brent has pulled. Things that we have said on the show that make that make no sense. All right. Uh, we come back. Don Taylor will talk about Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Uh, later on, uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. And we'll have Dax Holt from TMZ.com. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. And call 1 800 344 KUFO. I was going to tell them they could also rob them and stick them in their coin. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Tuesday morning. Uh, don't forget, coming up this uh, weekend, the one-two punch of Anthony Bourdain on Friday night and Cinematic Titanic, which that's actually two nights. That's Friday and Saturday. Uh, I will only be attending Saturday because on Friday I will be uh, at the Anthony Bourdain thing. I think the Friday awesome. movie is the one that I saw. Is the Friday the, the Kung Fu? It's like the weird. It's like the weird kind of black exploitation film. Yes, where they're where they're handcuffed together, together but the then they, yeah. but then they sort of give up on it about twenty minutes well, in. The handcuffs disappear, but for some reason they just can't let each other go. That's excellent. All right, we're here with uh, Don Taylor from Cinematical. Hello, Don Taylor. Hello, Mr. Emerson. All right. So you're looking very tan, by the way. Which I mean, no offense, is sort of a different <laughs> look for you. You've got this great. First of all, you're tan, and did you? Did you do something different with your hair? No, I did nothing. To oh, it does look my a hair. little lighter. I combed something. it. <laughs> did that you might, wash, Don? I, I did actually blow dry this morning for a change. So Excellent. That, that might add something. It's like it. occasionally Sarah will come in and I'll think that she's altered something or that she's maybe re-dyed her hair. She's touched something up and she'll say, no, I took it's a bath. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you are, in fact, using a leopard print cane today. I am. I am. Because so, I'm a stylish cripple. Yes. <laughs> You put that on your business cards? Yes. Oh, I heard right, you. Right below uh, film reviewer. Um, so how did you get so tan? Were you outside this weekend? Well, I was. Uh, uh, on Over the weekend, I used my apartment complex pool, which was, was lovely. I used my friend's apartment complex that, pool. Is, 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 is yours like uh, the pool Sarah uses full of strippers? No, mine is. Uh, mine was actually full of uh, those little cottony things that blow off of trees, so that was kind of disturbing. You had to kind of push them away before you swam. And then we had the whole place to ourselves until two kids showed up and started playing Marco Polo, and then I wanted to just throttle them. Oh, see, the, but the apartment complex, my friend has, uh, there are two pools. One of them is the, known as the kid pool, and the other one's oh. the adult pool. So everyone at the adult pool is just drunk and, you know, like smoking pot and like <laughs> <laughs> all the... Excellent. And all the strippers are walking around with their, you know, clear heels on. It is amazing. I don't think any strippers live in Tualatin. They work in Tualatin because oh. I live near Jiggles. But uh, I don't believe, I don't know if we have any strippers in my actual... By complex. the way, I like that that's the token nod towards responsibility at that apartment complex is that you can like booze and be ingesting massive amounts of chemicals while swimming, but the kids are five feet away at a separate pool. So that passes for, uh, you know, for it's funny proper too, because parenting. The apartment manager, when we first started going there, um, they used to try and like, okay, I know everyone put their beers in paper cups and stuff, but now <laughs> there's just too many people. Like they know that there would be an uprising, so there's nothing they can do. So it's just madness. So as long as you're not actively waving around like a broken bottle at somebody, it's uh, it's considered a win. Yes, excellent. Well, I, I also was outside a lot because uh, which a lot for me is like two two days during the weekend. It's like ooh, I was outdoors because um, I'm sort of like one of those mole people that you're I just a, stay. a woman of the great indoors. I am. Uh, went to a Beavers baseball game at PGE Park on uh, on Friday evening. And um, that was exciting because, well, for two things. One was I discovered that you can yell stuff. Um, you're actually not only allowed to, but you're encouraged to yell things, particularly towards the end when everyone's drunk. And there's a woman near us who was just screaming, bro, beavers, double play. And you couldn't understand what she was saying. <laughs> so I realized I could just yell anyone and anything and no one would care. So like there was one play, player for the beavers. His last name is Lobaton. 
And I thought that sounded like a robot name. So when he came up to bat, I yelled, use your giant robot arms, Lobaton. So that was awesome. Did anybody even, were people just sort of, yeah! There was a guy who looked kind of like Ted Turner sitting across the aisle from me, and he kept giving me the greasy fish eye. But other than that, I don't think. What's the greasy fish eye? That's gross. I think it's like the hairy eyeball, only different. I I don't know. What's greasy and fish? Please not (laughs) raise your hand if you've ever heard of the phrase greasy fish eye. Anyone? No. Uh, um, but also, there were these three guys sitting behind me, and um, they were just doing that thing where they were, were kind of narrating the game, like, foul tip, there's foul tip. Yeah, and I heard one guy say, you know, the, the first base is important. It's the most one of the most important bases. And I turned to my friends, and I was like, are these guys behind us retarded? And about the third inning, we figured out they actually were uh, retarded. So first really? of all, I was glad I said it quietly. Yes. And also glad to, I only said it to my friends who know I'm a jerk. Like you didn't turn around and interrogate them about it at length? <laughs> well, at that point, I didn't actually care that they said stupid things anymore, yeah. because now it's like, oh, okay. They're mentally challenged, so that's acceptable. Unlike supposedly smart people that, like, you're at a movie or something, and they're repeating the funny lines after the thing, or going, hey, he he ran into a mailbox. Here's the worst thing. You know, I hate lots of people. I hate just the the list of people that I hate is just, it's just, it's, I'm not going to say that it's infinite, but it is, for all intents and purposes, it is, it is, it is endless. Here's who I hate in the movie theater. Not just people, I'll just, I'll, I'll give you two right now. One. Somebody in the theater, and it's always in the theater. I mean, it's like never. Here's the thing: it's like you watch movies at people's houses, and they somehow are better behaved than they are in public, which makes no sense. It seems counterintuitive. One, people who are in the theater who ask a question that they know nobody else in the theater has the answer to, because you're all seeing the movie together and presumably for the first time. You know, who, who's that guy? What's the that about? The character who first is he? Watch on screen. Yeah. What's happening there? And it's like. I don't know, Dick. I'm sitting right next to you. I'm, you know, I've been here the whole time. I don't understand any better than you do. Here's the other thing: people who will sit next to you in the movie theater and they will read things as they appear on oh, the screen. Yes. It's like somebody will. It'll it'll be like a note taped to the door, like you know, goodbye. I've been I've I've been faking it this whole time in bed, and the guy behind me, goodbye. I've been faking it this whole time in bed. <laughs> it, and it's just, it, it's like and, and Stephen Tyler once says, you can just feel Mr. Hand becoming Mr. Fist. I always get the guy behind me who just says the obvious thing, like, hey, he stole his car. <laughs> at which one, I usually, about the second or third time they do that is when I turn around and look at him and go, yes, they stole his car. See, you're way braver than I am. I just, I don't have the guts to confront people in movie theaters. I just I, don't. I have to, I go to so many movies, though, as a film critic. That's I see true. a couple of movies a week. You just can't afford to have some jackhole ruining the whole thing There's for a you. point when I, I used to just have this thing of, like, I must be really nice because I'm here in a professional capacity. I must not, like, use the F word at them. <laughs> I just, and then there's a point where I just didn't care anymore, where I'm just, like, lean over and go, shut the F up! See, and I think you can do that, though, because, and I hate to say this, because you're a woman, and so they're probably not going to beat you senseless. Also, let's be honest, you got a cane. So, A, you, you, so you're a woman. B, you can defend yourself if you have to because you got the, you got a big uh, leopard print stick with you. And C, also because of the cane, they're probably not going to F with you too much. Uh, like, But I am afraid to do that because you just never know who's going to be some hulking seven-foot-tall guy. <laughs> and I'm going to say, hey, why don't you be quiet? And then because you know, it's like I'm just picking up all my molars off the floor. Um, especially because, you know, my wife does this. God love her. My wife, she has this, it's like she just wants me to be pummeled at some point because what, and it's in traffic. She is the most, it's not that she's a bad driver, but it's that when there is someone is driving badly near her, 
she can't let it pass. Like if somebody cuts her off, if somebody is dawdling, if somebody doesn't make the right, if somebody changes lanes too abruptly, or somebody is just sort of being a bad or inefficient driver, but she is the first one. She, I mean, she'll, she will see. Here's the thing: is bad driving on the the part of other people will turn my wife into a bad driver because she will then begin speeding and just disregarding uh, laws and regulations with <laughs> reckless abandon. Why? So that she can catch up with them and pull up next to them in traffic and roll down the window and just unleash a torrent of profanity at them and then give them like the the dual middle fingers. And the thing is, and I was sort of like, first she of all... She seems like such a quiet, nice she is, she's real woman. She, she's really nice until she gets into traffic and somebody is being a jackass. And then, yeah, and then, then she just turns into a crazed woman because she has to get him and give him a piece of her mind. And the thing is, I was like, you don't know who has a gun, uh, first of all. And secondly... If we're like at a stoplight or something, here's the thing. They're going to get out of the car, and they're not going to come beat your ass because you're a woman. They're going to come right for me, and I'm always in the passenger seat because she's a better driver than I am. And they're going to come, and they're going to pull me out of the window, and they're just going to Reginald Denny me right there in the street uh, for something that I was just sort of like an unwitting accomplice to. So I just, uh, I'd really go out of my way to avoid confrontation because I'm a spindly man, and I break easily. There's one good punch is all it would take. All right, uh, straight ahead, we will talk about uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Yes? Yes, we will. Plus news from Tim Riley featuring what headlines, Tim? Terminator Salvation has a disappointing opening weekend. Gene Simmons thinks Adam Lambert sounds too much like Freddie Mercury to be a member of KISS. And Colin Powell says, don't listen to Dick Cheney or Rush anymore. All right, that's uh, straight ahead. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. At all times. To everyone. In accordance with prophecy. The Rick Emerson Show. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Hey, so um, we were actually just noting during the break, the kitchen is astonishingly clean here, and so are the bathrooms. And so Tim was noting... That you can always tell when you've come back from a long weekend where there were, you know, not as many people in the building, because that's uh, that's when things are relatively uh, spotless. Uh, yeah, not covered in their normal coating of uh, filth and grease and the uh, bloody fingerprints on the walls and <laughs> or that unexplainable crimes and messes left behind for somebody else to clean up. That as well. But can I just tell you this? Here's the thing. I accidentally locked myself out um, in that sort of, you know, that bathroom area where the unisex bathroom is. Because if you leave here and you go to use the restroom, you're behind two electronically sealed doors and you have to have this this key card uh, that we all wear around our necks. Well, they but, don't want commenters down here. No, but it, no, they don't. Or salespeople, Tim. Admission it, must be earned. But, 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 occasionally, but occasionally, one of us will have this thing where we'll go to use uh, the restroom, we'll go out or something, and you'll leave your key card behind, either because, like, you're Sarah, who always leaves her key card at home, or you're like me, who I will occasionally just take it off and put it on my desk uh, for some reason, because uh, it's like it's getting in my way or whatever. And then I'll go to use the restroom, and then you'll come out of the bathroom, and you'll, you, know, you won't be able to get back in. And... What happened to me, um, it was on Thursday night, I think. I came back here late to do something or other, and I had my key card, and I left it on my desk, and I walked back to use the restroom, and as soon as I came out of the bathroom, I went to the door, and, and I pulled the handle, and, the, and then I realized, ah, oh, crap, I don't have my key card. And here's the thing is, there was no one here, because it was so late at night, there was no one in the building at all. 
And so I started calling the various radio station hotlines, realizing there's nobody at the radio station at that time of night. So fortunately, the cleaning crew showed up around 15 minutes later, and they actually let me out. Otherwise, you'd just been, uh, I would have just been stuck in there. They would have found me uh, you know, preserved like a fly in amber in the, uh, in the unisex restroom area. So word to the wise, don't ever leave that key card behind because you're going to be marooned in there. Well, as a guest, I don't actually have a key card, and that happened one day when I went to use the restrooms here and got locked out of the... Uh, the airlock door or whatever yeah. it was. And we were going back on the air in like a minute and I'm standing there going. Fortunately, they're hello, soundproof hello. as well. Unfortunately, Tim was walking by and he saw me standing there at the door waving pathetically <laughs> and he came and let me in. Let's talk uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, Don Taylor. Yes, this is one of those movies that um, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's actually a sci-fi channel movie, but it's like the sci-fi channel movies where it's just. Um, the, the cool part is the obviously fake special effects yeah. for the mega shark and the giant octopus. And then there's a whole, and you see all the good stuff in the trailer and then the rest of the movie is just sort of to Filler. fill in between the special effects shop. It, uh, to give you an idea of the quality of this movie, um, it says it's uh, written and directed by Ace Hanna. But if you look on IMDb, it's actually written and directed by a man named Jack Perez, who directed uh, Monster Island, which starred Carmen Electra and Adam West. Fantastic. <laughs> and the direct-to-video Wild Things 2. Yeah. Now, Jack Perez directed those, and yet he was embarrassed to have his name on Mega Shark <laughs> and Giant Octopus. So, so there it, it serves uh, Deborah Gibson. The previous uh, Debbie Gibson, now Deborah Gibson. So you take her seriously as an actress. Of course. And, of course, uh, Lorenzo Lamas is in it. And yeah. that is just a guarantee of top-grade cheese anytime Lorenzo Lamas is in there. And, I, and you are really right when you say that even if it's not a film made by the Sci-Fi Channel, it looks like it is. Because it looks just like those, like Mansquito or, um, uh, what is that, the, the Raptor Island? Yes. And, I mean... It, it, I mean, and that network just has such appallingly low standards. I mean, like for everything that wasn't Battlestar Galactica, it's just the rest of the, the I mean, it's like they have an assembled effects budget of about $12 for the entire year. And so everything has to be put together on a 1989 Amiga. I mean, it really is just, it's staggering. Yeah, this is, this is, a, Debbie Gibson plays a an oceanographer. Of course. And uh, she gets involved uh, in this whole uh, kerfuffle when it turns out that there's a mega shark and a giant octopus. <laughs> And they're wreaking havoc in the seas. And as we discover, they had been frozen solid together in the midst of an epic battle during the Ice Age. But because of our bad practices as human beings and global climate warming, change, yeah. we have, they melted them and they, they were set free. So uh, they spend the... Uh, Lorenzo Lamas plays just this real jerk of some sort of a military man, although he never wears a uniform and he has a ponytail. So I was never sure what <laughs> branch of the military he was from. But his entire character is designed around the fact that he's he's racist and a jerk. So I but and yet he doesn't get killed by the giant octopus. So I don't know. Spoiler. But, but um, yeah. And Debbie Gibson uh, drives around in a, a little uh, undersea submarine, which is all CGI. And the octopus. uh eats things and there's this awesome shot that for no reason uh the mega shark leaps out of the ocean and bites an airplane in half 
<laughs> that see, that's right there. I saw that in the trailer, and I'm like, yeah. I am. And I went to Netflix immediately, and they're like, this title is not yet available. I'm like, the instant it's available, you will send it to me. I demand Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Bring and, it to me now. And really, that's not even important to the plot. It's just you could tell that when they were making the movie, they said, you know, it'd be great. It's just righteous. If if a, a shark just if the shark just leapt out of the ocean and like flew ten thousand feet into the air and bit an airliner in half. And you know what? And it had the desired effect because that's what made me rent the film. So, that's fantastic. Yeah, so yeah, and it, it all ultimately, you know, you'll you'll end up seeing the epic uh, battle between the mega shark and the giant octopus underwater. And, Debbie Gibson is already talking about a sequel, by the way. Well, the great part about the epic battle undersea is that all of the main principles are on a submarine while this is happening, which of course has no windows, so they can't actually see what's going on. So they've got one guy who's like got them on sonar or something, and they're going, what's happening now? And he says, I, I don't know, but it looks like the two principles have separated. And they, and then, so it's... It looks like we've run out of money for effect shots. Let me just describe something. <laughs> then, it, then it cuts to like this murky, like, shark versus occupied. Then it goes back to the sub. Like, what are they doing now? It's like well, listening to... I can't to a, see. We have no windows. It's like listening to Jack Dempsey fight on the radio. Yes. So. Awesome. Uh, what else is coming out? Nothing can, of course, uh, hold a candle to that. But what else might be released on DVD today? Uh, also on DVD today is a movie called Kill Shot, which has an interesting background. It was made in 2006. Uh, it's based on a 1989 novel by Elmore Leonard. And uh, originally it was supposed to be made by Tony Scott and was going to have uh, Quentin Tarantino in it. And I can't remember who the other actor was, but it went in a turnaround. It's uh, a Weinstein company thing. So it got all messed up and jacked around. Uh, the ultimate movie that ended up coming out as executive produced by Quentin Tarantino, who uh, made uh, Jackie Brown based on an Elmore Leonard book. Um and it's directed by John Madden, who directed Mrs. Brown and Shakespeare in Love and Proof. Um, it's about um, a a Indian uh, Native American uh, hired killer played by uh, Mickey Rourke, of course, who gets involved with this kind of idiot criminal guy played by oh God, all of a sudden I can't uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and. Um, there's a, a a woman played by Diane Lane, and her husband is Thomas Jane, and he ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time and sees the the criminals, and so then they're after them to kill them. They end up in uh, protective custody, but they track them down anyway. It's a convoluted sort of Elmore Leonard sort of plot. Uh, the movie was originally two hours long when it was made in 2006, and tested really badly with audiences who thought the plot was too complicated. And there was this character played by Johnny Knoxville that the mar test marketing people really, really hated. So the version that has now been released direct to video, and probably only because of Rourke's career resurgence, is 95 minutes long, and Johnny Knoxville is nowhere to be seen. It's just completely removed. They just totally removed him from, from the movie. One of those guys you see in the credits, you go, wait a minute, he's in the I didn't see him in the film, and it's just like in a big a big box labeled, Scraps to be Burned. Well, you can go online and you can see the original trailer for the movie back when it was going to be released theatrically, and there he is, but no. And, and plus a couple of other scenes that just don't really actually appear in the movie. But the thing is, it's really not a bad movie. It's, Excellent. It's, it's kind of tight, and, it's nice. and if you like those actors, and I do... It's and if you like Elmore Leonard, it's it's definitely worth checking out on on DVD. Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, from Cinematical and CinemaSideshow dot com. All right, uh, Tim Riley, straight ahead. We will have more news for the people. Yes, yes, excellent, edifying and entertaining. He is Tim Riley. He is straight ahead. Uh, later on, Dax Holt from TMZ dot com. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. 
accident, Southwest Pacific Highway at 12. There's an injury involved. Congestion. It's heavy from Highway 217, the interchange, and it's congested through the zoo. Wait a minute. Highway 217 is nowhere near the zoo. You can tell this has been outsourced. I, I'm <laughs> spotting certain holes in this traffic report, Tim. Yes, I'm just reading what's here. Is this Did this come to us straight from Clear Channel? Yeah, I'm sure it does. Then we have uh, heavy traffic between Capitol and the curves, which makes sense. But, but heavy traffic from Highway 217 through the zoo makes no sense. So take it with a grain of salt. The rest of the stuff is true. And incidentally, it makes it sound as though Highway 217 actually passes through the middle of the zoo. It, it is nowhere near the zoo. Well, that's it. That's as much sense as I can make out of it. You're on your own. That's traffic on Highway on, on Rack 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland! All right, it's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. If you're just joining us... We don't take things very seriously. Apparently, apparently <laughs> Highway 217 is backed up all the way through the zoo. Or whatever. That's what happens when you outsource your traffic to another city. Right, Tim. Not that we know anything about that. No. That wouldn't and by the way, that has nothing to do with us. No, no, no. It's CBS. It is a separate entity. It has nothing to do with us. That's right. CBS did not create... If CBS had created that traffic, it would be flawlessly executed, as is everything we do. Uh, coming up this hour, Dax Holt will be joining us from TMZ.com. This is Tim Riley at the News Desk. In the News with Tim Riley. So speak of things that are going to hold you up. Oh, by the way, it is 8.03. It's going to be sunny today. Highs in the 80s and in the 80s for the entire week. So be ready. So talk about traffic. Here's something inconvenient you if you're downtown later this afternoon. Oh, work here. I have to come here. Between 4 and 6, due to filming at five locations, please again to direct traffic at Southwest Broadway at Alder, Southwest Yamhill at Park, Southwest 6 and 7, Southwest Taylor and 5th, Southwest Morrison at 5th because they're filming down here. Is there any sort of explanation as to why that has to be done during the week? I mean, it can't be because they want the hustle and bustle of downtown because nobody will be able to get anywhere near it. Right. Like, it's not like they're going to be able to get traffic or pedestrians in the background because everybody's going to be kept away. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to, you know what I mean, import. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to uh, create all of that stuff their own anyway. Plus, you just can't be getting random people on film in a major Hollywood. Uh, this is the Harrison Ford thing, right? Yeah. So... So it, it does sort of prompt the question why they're doing this on a Tuesday and not over the weekend. Well, they always hire extras for those kind of people. Like, you know, people you see in movies aren't people just or walking they, on the street. They, they may have filmed during the same period of time and the light has to be the same. Yeah, but I mean, but but, but that doesn't mean they have to do it during the week. They could still do it. On, that's my point. No, they got to pay double time during the weekend. Oh, okay. Because like Sarah's thing about it, they hire extras. Like they would have to do that any day of the week. So, but your right, point but the is stars that stars and the names uh, have got to be paid double time, okay. and they came here to save money. So if they work on the weekend, uh, then they're gonna it will up their budget. So that's Correct. why they do it. Ah, uh, I see. All it's right. not for your convenience. No, nothing is, Tim. Well, anyway, a uh, man uh, heading to church. From Gresham was stopped by a state trooper and arrested after his speed reached uh, 110 miles an hour. Brian Boltrain told the trooper he was en route to attend church with his mother. Instead, he ended up being booked to Clackamas County Jail on the charge of reckless driving. But he's been released from jail on his own recognizance because, well, being walking around in Gresham is probably about the same <laughs> punishment as enough, Tim. Being held for such things. Then uh, we go to Washington for this bizarre story. A Washington state trooper caught two throwing rocks at cars from an overpass on video on Lakewood. Uh, luckily, they were flying over these people and caught them and were able to tell the people on the ground where to get them. 23-year-old Joshua Sizemore and 18-year-old Amanda Madison were getting their kicks playing the stripping game. Uh, how do kids play this? Well, the, the rules of which, and I'm just telling you the way this is played, the rules of which involve shedding a layer of clothing for every left headlight they manage to knock out. So are these, they're on an overpass, these are moving cars down? Yes. So they, for, well, that, first of all, 
that's just stupid because these people are just stupid. <laughs> yeah. the, so it seems like the physics of that are going to make it uh, difficult enough that it would, there would be no point in playing. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it, it, depending on how high the overpass is, if you're trying to hit the headlight in a car, which is a very small target, and if, you, if your brain is kind of you know on this tiny side to begin with, which it sounds like it's probably the case here. I mean, there are here. easier ways to play a strip game. <laughs> just the, what city was this in? This happened in uh, Lakewood. Yeah, so, I mean, look, it's not like you're dealing with a brain trust to begin with. And you factor in the fact that the car is going 50 miles an hour. I mean, you're really going to be there all day, and there's going to be no nudity at the end of this. So, um, really, you kids, find a different way to get your uh, to get your nude on. Now we have Christopher Clausen, who dropped a burning cigarette on his lap, losing control of his car, crashing it into a porch in Aloha. He's charged with reckless driving. And uh, from Taiwan comes word of the groom who drank too much at his wedding and died. Yes, he had too much beer and wine. Uh, the man is an insurance company worker. His last name is Wu. He passed out at home for drinking too much at a high-end restaurant in Taipei. Among 100 wedding guests, it's not known if he had health complications. Everyone was having a great time. We don't know what happened after until, that. Until the dying. Until, uh, the, until was, the groom died. <laughs> Everybody was having a really swell time, and then the death happened. Hey, by the way, uh, Greg uh, Nibbler says he got an offer for that shoot today. Uh, that thing that's happening this afternoon uh, downtown. So now, are you going to be taking part in that? No. Okay, and so neither of you guys are actually. Okay, so it's all right. I guess Nibbler said it had to be like all day. Oh, I yeah. see. So it's so not like, just in the afternoon. Like you have to prepare in the. You have to, you be, have to be available from the early morning. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, I see. Well, good. Yeah, good. they make you sit around and eat all day. <laughs> it's, it's, what is it? Okay, as if people need more of that. Let, let me they want more than a fat extra. Actually, let me let me ask you. Uh, well, they are trying to depict Portland. Does the movie take place in Portland, or are they filming Portland for somewhere else? I don't know. Because I mean, really, if you're trying to capture the new spirit of the Northwest, uh, really just jamming yourself full of thousands of calories with every waking moment is probably the way to achieve that. Um, my question: What is what is craft services like on a film like this, Tim? An actual Hollywood production? I, I I would assume that it's in a a tent or an enclosed area, and it's pretty big. The one for management was good. I was going to ask: Did you were you allowed to access the craft services table, even though it was your car that was on film? Yes, that's the first place I headed after checking <laughs> in, like everybody else. Pardon me. Uh, where are the bagels, please? Thank you so much. Excellent. See, I've, I've never really, uh, I've never really done anything. And on then that I just level. sat down, and who sits down beside Siegfried? <laughs> Siegfried is everywhere. Our friend Siegfried, who works on every film uh, that is made in every state in this country, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so we ran this. Well, Mel Gibson is officially a new father to be. Yes, he admits he impregnated his girlfriend, so now he can just just divorce his wife and start anew. Yes, he had a humorous exchange on the uh, Leno show. When the crowd just uh, applauded him for, well, impregnating his girlfriend. You know, you, you look inside yourself, and right. look, when, when it's all said and done, I did a pretty good hatchet <clears throat> job on my marriage myself, you know. Yeah. I'm to blame, you know, and if, if you're inclined to judge, you know, put it here. So here comes the applause. Everybody applaud the man who got his girlfriend pregnant and left his wife. This is true. It is true. child, it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Hey, proof of my infidelity. <laughs> this will make, this will make 29 that. for you. Correct? 29. <laughs> well, actually, eight. I guess I'm octomel now. Oh, see, it's it, it, not like, wanted. And if you, and if you uh, already uh, disliked Mel Gibson as we did, that's just the more fuel on the fire. That octomel thing there. But you really nailed it when you were talking about the audience applauding that, which is just that's just strange. And plus, you got to imagine if his wife is sitting at home watching that, which she undoubtedly is, uh, just looking through the yellow pages under uh, lawyers' worst ever. I mean, that's the sort of thing that will not play well in court, by the way. If you're going on Jay Leno and everybody really applaud the fact that, that you uh, stuck it to some other uh, woman. How old is the other woman? Like 
39, I believe. All right. And, you know, and that she's also pregnant. So that's not going to play well. Well, CNN is really tanking in the ratings. And the biggest disappointment is Anderson Cooper. Uh, the ratings of Plunge were show Anderson Cooper 360 since Obama's inauguration. And, well, the drop in May has been much uh, steeper, especially in the coveted 25 to 54 demographic. He's down 30% from the previous month, averaging less than 250,000 demo viewers. Tuesday night, he raked in only 615,000 viewers overall, and it wasn't the slowest night yet. That was May 8th when he clanked a lousy 499,000. But I take that any day. I mean, wouldn't you imagine that a lot of that, though, is because of... There's a whole demographic that was just watching during the election and probably in the first few months afterward because they were just so because Obama had energized so many people to be into the political process. Yes. I mean, and, you know, then once that was over, then you sort of, you know, there's the the honeymoon period or whatever, the first hundred days or something, which is February, March, April. And so if you figure that first hundred days, if that's, you know, by the time you get into the end of April, you're losing, you know, you're out of that period, which means that, you know, you're probably not going to be that. Uh, that. But So it seems like that's a, that's a bit of an artificial standard to be comparing it to, to the election, which is every single story everywhere was about that. Things got a little out of hand recently at a Tennessee hair salon when two customers brought a snake in with them. They took the reptile with them last week to the Memphis Beauty Salon while getting their hair cut. Well, it didn't go very well as another man there didn't like it and pulled out a gun and shot at them. Neither was hurt. The snake also managed to survive this ordeal. Oh, by the way, somebody here has played the stripping game that the kids were playing there. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hey. Hello. So you have played this uh, this stripping game that these kids are playing where they were throwing rocks at cars on an overpass? See, see, I don't know what they're talking about because the only game that I've played is when you're riding down the road and on the highway or whatever. And if you drive past a car that has a headlight out, you just tap the roof of the car, and whoever taps the roof of the car last takes off a layer of clothing. Now, do you have to stop and, and pull over to the side of the road to change to take off clothing, or do you do it while the car is still in motion? You do it while the car is going. Is there a limit to how much clothing you have to take off, or is that something uh, you have to agree on beforehand? Uh, I've been completely naked. Of course. What, uh, what kind of car were you driving at the time, sir? A uh, Cavalier. Or is this the thing you still play now? Uh, last time I played it was probably last week. And so, okay, can you do me a favor? Can you turn your radio up as loud as it will go, please? Turn my radio up as loud as it yeah, will just, go? Yeah, just turn it up just to the maximum volume. <laughs> That's great. So, tell me more about this Cavalier you were driving. Uh, what? <laughs> we'll go out on that. Thanks. It's the Rick Everson Show. It's Rock 101. Okay, straight ahead. Just too easy sometimes. Dax Holt from TMZ. More from Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Everson Show. I can't tell if that song's done or not. All right, there we go. Just one of those fall asleep on the keyboard and let that one note play for 40 seconds kind of ending. Uh, so I have here an unsolicited email about secret aardvark habanero hot sauce. This comes to us from Pete. Pete says, Rick, this is a totally unprompted email. Pete, of his own volition, uh, sat down and said this in. says, Rick, great show as always. I have a quick story to tell you, which you may or may not find interesting when creating your live copy for secret aardvark hot sauce. Ahem. My wife and I went to Pine State Biscuits on uh, 36th and Southeast Belmont, which is a place I keep intending to go. I heard that place is ridiculously good. And they got that, that biscuit that's, where it's like a sandwich that's 3,500 calories or something, which is sort of the, the, I think it's the kind of novelty thing to get you in there, but apparently it's, it's, uh, 
It is a, quite a place. And I keep meaning to go there, but then there's just a line, like, out the back, so I'm never able to go. Um, says, we went to Pine State on Saturday morning for a tasty biscuit sandwich. While we were waiting for our to-go order, I noticed one particular bottle of hot sauce being passed literally around the entire restaurant from table to table. People would get it at their table with the intention of passing it along to the next table. And what the heck, they just throw a few dabs on and voila, tasty deliciousness. It caught my eye that among the vast choices of hot sauce, including the restaurant's standby sauce, which is actually called out by name in their menu, the sauce everyone was using and passing around was secret aardvark habanero hot sauce. No joke, everyone in the restaurant was using it. I had to write. Hope you enjoyed your trip to Vegas. Best show ever. Uh, signed, Pete. So uh, there you go. So that is uh, self-identified P1 for life, Pete. Uh, who's talked about going there. And, say, and he says, actually, there's a, and apparently at this, at, you know, I'm trying to knock at the, whatever the other sauce is. But he says some other sauce that I guess is kind of the house sauce that's on the menu. Nobody's using that. Everybody in the restaurant, he says, passing around the bottle of Secret Aardvark Habanero Hot Sauce. You can find out more about it at secretardvark.com. It's Portland Recipe, a Portland company, and uh, it is uh, quite exceptional. You get it. It's going to be uh, your standby, your go-to. Uh, it is going to become the most frequently used spice and uh, food addition in your house. Secretardvark.com is where you find that more. Secret Aardvark Habanero Hot Sauce. One sauce to rule them all. Don't miss a moment of The Rick Emerson Show. Or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. Listen online. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. By the way, you're a bad person for not telling me about that earlier in the show. About what? About what? About what? She says, batting her eyelashes innocently. About your weekend. (laughs) It's about your new cougar status. He's two years younger than you. That doesn't count. No, I feel old. I don't know. Like You know, you're not even 30. I know, but that's like, I, I think of things as like when people graduated high school and I, you know, I graduated in 98 and he graduated in 2001. Yeah, but that makes it sound like three years and it's actually only two. If you're 28, he's 26. I think he's younger than my sister, which is weirding me out. Well, I suppose, but that's only going to, I mean, look, can I just say what, what we all know to be true? That's only going to happen more and more frequently uh, with every passing year because you don't strike me as the uh, date somebody your own age type. So you're either going to have to date some guy who's like 70. You're either going to do like a J. Howard Marshall type, or you're going to be dating 25-year-olds forever. Well, I I like I I usually date people that are about four or five years older than me. So this is and we're not dating. We just hung out. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I Uh feel I feel really old and creepy though. All right. (laughs) Well, we'll revisit that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com, Dax Holt, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing awesome. How about you? I am fantastic. Do you have a satisfying weekend in every regard? Of course. I was just chilling by the pool, hanging out. It was wonderful. Sarah was Dax Holt. In fact, the man you were spending the weekend with, you can be honest. It's true. Uh, <laughs> you know, I did graduate in 2001, so it could possibly be me. Oh, you little youngster, you. The love that dare not speak its name. Uh, uh, hey, let's talk about our good friend Mel Gibson, uh, if we can. Uh, so, so I guess now he's copped to the fact that he's impregnated this other woman, which inexplicably was a cue for the audience at the Tonight Show with Jay Leonard to just applaud wildly. So apparently, yeah, I, uh, infidelity weird, is awesome. It? I guess, yeah. <laughs> so, is there anything else uh, to know of? What is what is up with that guy? Is there anything else that's come out? 
I mean, that's the big thing. We had, you know, broke that story uh, a good two weeks ago or so, and he finally confirmed it last night on Jay Leno's show and, you know, calling himself Octodad cause, or Octomel because now he's got eight kids. Is it satisfying uh, when you, you find something on a celebrity and they or their people just sort of squeal like pigs in hot oil about it, insisting that it's not true? And then, of course, it, it inevitably is found to be true, and they have to kind of cop to it on, you know, on nationwide TV. Yeah, no, I love that. And it happened with Tom and Giselle. Uh, we had broke the fact that they got engaged, and they denied it and denied it and denied it. And then one day we're like, oh, yeah, we got engaged. <laughs> well, why'd you deny it that whole time? Why don't you just say, yep, we're happy. Excellent. So that's one on the wind column for you guys. What else is uh, going on at TMZ, sir? Uh, there, there's a lot of great stuff. One of my favorite stories of the day is this Chris Allen wedding registry, you know, the guy that won American Idol. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife registered at Target, and one of their things on their list was a an angel pink mesh thong. Oh. You know, in there between the the knives and the pots and pans. <laughs> really, if you're adults, shouldn't you be able to buy that sort of thing yourself? That's uh... you would you would think so. They asked for one, but ended up getting two, I guess. Just put a, put a few bucks away and buy that on your own time. That's a, that's a private purchase. Jesus, pretty ridiculous. Ugh. All right. Anything else of note that I need to be caring about today, sir? Yes, Kevin Bacon getting robbed on the bu- on the train. He was on the subway, and some dude literally ran up to him as he was typing on his BlackBerry, grabbed the BlackBerry out of his hand, and ran off with it. It seems like there's some sort of one degree from Kevin Bacon joke that I should be making here, but there's really nothing that's nothing that's coming to mind. So, do you suppose well, think the- of all think of all the names that would be in that BlackBerry right there, all the phone numbers that probably just are going to get leaked out? I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, did you uh, do you suppose that the guy had any idea that he was robbing uh, uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Bacon? I would think so. You know, Kevin Bacon's pretty recognizable. You see him on the train, you're like, I'll take that BlackBerry. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's an interesting point. I haven't really thought about that. It, that. And probably most people, when they get something like that, unless they're really conscious of it, they don't ever bother to password protect those things sometimes. Um, you know, and so as a result now, I mean, and that's one of those things where you can just daisy chain with all the contacts in that BlackBerry to like, then mm-hmm. see... Okay, see now, see now that there is that there is the obvious reference because if you steal Kevin Kevin Bacon's BlackBerry, I was going to say then really you are you, seven you, degrees. You can now call anybody in America, whether it was just a little bit of investigative duty, probably anybody in the you could call the Pope if you wanted to. Okay, that is awesome. If you guys aren't already working on this as like a sidebar story, you totally should be trying to figure out who is the most inconceivable yet possible person that you could call based on stealing Kevin Bacon's BlackBerry. I like that. I'm going to go suggest it right now. There you go. All right. Thank you, my friend. As always, a pleasure. Uh, We will speak with you next week. Don't forget, you can uh, see Dax Holt on TMZ TV tonight at 1130 on Fox 12 right here in Portland. Thank you, my friend. Awesome. Talk to you later. Have a fantastic day. There you go. Dax Holt. There you go. Tim Riley, what stories are we going to be giving the people in mere moments? Well, speaking about bacon, bacon-flavored vodka sales are all the rage here in the Northwest. Why not have some today? There ought to be a store just called Six Degrees of Bacon. And we'll talk about uh, more extras being needed for the other thing filming here. That's leverage. They're desperately in need of them. And uh, Portland police want to speak to a guy who shot his girlfriend four times and she lived I really want to talk to the girlfriend more than the guy and find out what it is she's eating that allows her to be shot four times. (laughs) Yes, I or he's just an exceptionally bad aim. Do you suppose he was drunk, maybe, and just uh, was not able to to sight correctly? The alcohol was unopened in the vehicle he abandoned, but who knows if he had something else with him opened? Where Where was this at? Gresham. Why would somebody in Gresham abandon alcohol? That just seems uh, that violates every cultural. Does it make any sense? (laughs) Yeah. Well, if he could do it all again, (laughs) (laughs) all the things I regret.
Well, all right. Six degrees of bacon is what the store would be called. I like it. Whatever. Uh, Tim Riley on the way, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. There's uh, Chris Cornell. Uh, You can hear our interview with Chris Cornell, by the way, at KUFO.com. We continue next. It's Rock 101, KUFO, Tuesday morning. Like my new music bed. This is a new addition to the playlist. It is indeed, yes. Can't get it, uh, you know, enough Eye of the Tiger on KUFO. All right. All right. So, this music is a live read bed because uh, I didn't really know what to pick. And I heard of um, Max Muscle, and I'm like, okay, Rocky Balboa. Is it's, is it's Max not. Muscle your new on air name? Max Muscle is going to be my new on air. Is that going to be. Uh, is, I, Ma- I, I tired of the Sarah Dillon. Will Max Muscle be the sidekick to Napalm in the morning? <laughs> Do you, do you still want to be Napalm? I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to create a supplemental radio persona, Napalm in the morning. Is that Max with two X's? Nope, just one. <laughs> you can find out more Tim Riley at maxmuscle.com. Okay, so you might it might sound a little weird for me to be talking about this because it's, it's something involving muscles, and I myself don't really have many. But uh, Max Muscle is different because it's actually for the average person who's looking to lose weight or just get in better shape. Like nobody has to be like all Richie Bristol about everything and be an MMA fighter. If you still want to take care of yourself, but you're not like. You know, a super crazy person wanting to work out and, uh, you know, eat healthy all the time. Uh, Max Muscle can help you find a program that uh, works for you. They actually have sports nutritional specialists, all their employees at all of their stores, uh, that can tell you exactly what you need to be doing to accomplish whatever goal you want to do, uh, regardless of if you want to lose weight or just become stronger at the weight that you are. And I'm going to be speaking with Larry today, actually, from Max Muscle. I'm going after the show. So this isn't a thing like you have to be like a hardcore no, bodybuilding. No. They have protein shakes. It's all about like trying to be healthier and not necessarily like, I don't want to be some freakish bodybuilder, but I do want to look hot at the stripper suit pool this summer. And so they said that they could help me uh, figure out how to eat a little better because, I mean, my lunch today consisted of eating sun chips out of the vending machine. So Yeah, I don't think that's a stripper diet. Exactly. So they, I'm going to meet up with Larry today and he's going to try and help me uh, figure out how I can become less squishy for the summer. And if you want to be less squishy, go to www.maxmuscle.com for more details. And as I said, I'll be talking to Larry today. So I'm going to go check out the store, check out the products, and tell you be, uh, more about it as the days go by. So check it out. Uh, MaxMuscle.com. More of the Rick Emerson Show continues next. I mean, it looks like a russet potato with legs. On Rock 101 KUFO. Hey, Tim, at any point, does uh, at any point does the I-405 intersect with 217 in the middle of the zoo? I don't think so. I mean, that'll it, be... It may by the end of the week, though. <laughs> the logical next step in our uh, alleged traffic casts. Hey, by the way... Thanks to Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, who just appeared. Because we were saying that the Oregonian didn't arrive today. And because the only thing I could find, I have the front page of my office, but I have everything else beyond that. I think the homeless people stole it. (laughs) Just, uh, well, you can't, that hibachi needs something to, uh, you know, serve as fuel, Tim. You can't cook those sausages just with kind thoughts and feelings. That's Um, true. So Susan brought in the cover of uh, today's How We Live section. That is uh, the C section of the Oregonian. Um, the C section. The C section. Um, but it, if you remember, last week we had talked to Peter Carlin, features writer and raconteur, about this disturbing video of him that was on the Internet. And you can see it at Sarah Dillon's webpage, by the way. You go to sarahxdillon.com. And this was the photo of Peter Carlin for the Oregonian doing this interpretive dance where he was he was wearing, like, a bow tie and a white shirt, but no shoes and a hat. And he was dancing like a cat. And it was just unbelievably creepy. It's totally creepy. Now it is on the front page of the How We Live section. There's this massive full-color photograph of Peter Carlin along with four other alleged men, one of whom looks like he's squatting and doing some sort of bathroom behavior. They all look like like things are being 
Never mind. It's uh, going to be a little too graphic. It's, <laughs> it's a just full... like things are just airing out that shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to give everything a trying to give everything a good breezing. Um, so there's a there's a full page article on this. So really, if you get a chance, pick up the uh, the C, uh, the section labeled C. In today's Oregon and how we live, look at this. Um, and Peter's the one on the far right. Yeah, Peter's the, on the far right in the blue hat, and it's called An Experiment in Modern Dance. So we're going to see. Uh, Peter is supposed to be joining us tomorrow anyway, so I'm going to see if I can get him to come to the studio and do a, little, uh, do a little dancing for us. Come on and dance for me, Peter Carlin. Dance for me! Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 842. It's going to be sunny today. Highs in the 80s. It's going to stay that way for the entire week. Gregory Rald is dead. After Salem police zapped him with tasers and clanked him to death with a baton, the 27-year-old has a history of mental problems and was harassing residents of the apartment complex. He resisted violently when he was told to leave where his mother lived after being banned by the landlord. Apparently his been causing all kinds of problems there, peeking in residents' windows are while they're doing the housework. Are these penis problems, Tim? I don't know. And he also made sexual comments to young girls. Some say he had the mind of a toddler making these comments. First of all, I'd say that's a big yes to the penis problems question. Also, <laughs> as I think we noted earlier, I, I don't really know that toddlers are typically given to asking you uh, very probing questions about your sex life. So I think that may be a little bit of an overstatement there. And by the way, Am I the only one that would, I mean, even now that the, the, the phrase has sort of entered the vernacular, when I hear that the police beat people with batons, do you always just picture like the sort of wacky marching uh, band That's what kind? I think, yeah. Where, you know, it's like, where, you know, like the kind that the girl is always out front twirling as the band comes up behind her playing like the Star Wars theme or something. Um, that's what I was, so, and the cops are always beating the guy with a baton from a marching parade, and they're, but they're doing it as like a synchronized sort of song and dance West Side Story kind of a thing. Uh, that, where he's not going to be asking anybody else about their uh, genitals. Bacon-flavored vodka sales are all the rage in Seattle, and they're catching on here in Portland. It's 30 bucks a bottle. Recipes include bacon Bloody Mary, a bacon chocolate martini. There are 13 distilleries making this vodka in Washington, but more here. We have 17, so there's going to be plenty of competition for bacon vodka because people love their bacon. Well, talking about things uh, filming downtown, by the way, expect traffic tie-ups all over downtown this afternoon, later during rush hour, because they're filming that Harrison Ford movie. The other uh, series filming here, the TNT series Leverage, is looking for extras. They're especially looking for African-Americans because they've been recently discovered... And you can see African-Americans in TV commercials now, have you noticed? Since it's, Obama has become president, they actually exist in our society. And it's they this, eat things and they use services. It's incredible. And you got to figure that in Portland, I mean, it, so what, do they come here because there's tax breaks, this film companies, because yes. it's like you get a tax credit or whatever yes. or something? Um, but then, of course, that does come with its own set of problems in that uh, it, it doesn't is, look uh, like your typical American city. Something of a homogenous uh, society in certain ways. Uh, which means that, you know, that if they're doing it, depending on where it's supposed to take place, you know, there's like they got to look very specifically for extras and whatever. I meant to ask you this question, though. So you were talking about the craft services and how when you uh, when your car was used to the Jennifer Anderson film, did you just sort of like, there's my car. I, however, will be uh, over there having some locks. And you just went over to the table. So it, of all of the uh, the movies, films, TV shows or whatever on which you've worked, where was the best craft services found? Where Where was the best eating to be had? Usually the regular series, like uh, like Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yes, I would say that was the best one because that was a, a Paramount movie ranch. And, and that place is working, you know, every day regardless of anything filming there or not. And so it is a spread that just goes on for miles. Oh, yes. yeah, excellent. <laughs> and you're eating with horses going, <laughs> you know, close by. <laughs> You're going what? <laughs> 
Well, that's wonderful. All right. No amount of horse flatulence can dampen the taste of uh, these pretzels for me. Uh, oh, then I tell you, there's a new Buffy movie coming out. It's going to happen, uh, but no Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. No, but see, it's not just that. See, but that's it. But that's... Yes. Right, this should be a geek watch. Sarah, can we do just a little geek watch here? Oh, oh, I forgot all about this story. Damn you, Tim Riley, your black soul. <sighs> Always glad to assist. Remember, you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now just listen on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no. I'd forgotten all about this story shit. until I walked in this morning, uh, and, you, and you confronted me with it. I didn't confront you with it. Yes, you did. Just now. Oh. Just now. That was a confrontation, Tim. All right. Here's your ad hoc geek watch uh, for Tuesday. So they're talking about a spanking brand new Buffy. Or brand spanking. <laughs> but today. <laughs> there'll, there'll be, no, sir. That's an exciting sequel, Tim. I might sign up to watch that right now. Can I pre-order? That one cracked me up. Does that come in Blu-ray? <laughs> there will be no Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes. Geller. It'll be without the help of anyone who made it worth watching in the first place. The owners of the series rights, Kuzai Enterprises, are looking to create or relaunch a part of the series. And uh, it's not going to have uh, well any of the original people. This, of course, begs the question. It says, who the heck is going to see this movie if the fans don't even have the creator to fall back on to make this work? So here's the thing. It's not even that the movie doesn't have Sarah Michelle Geller, which I, could, I guess I could forgive at this point, because A, uh, she can't really act. B, no. I, don't get me wrong. I love Buffy. I really do. I'm a big. Well, she's all full of baby right now too. <laughs> that follows she the spanking. Want to, you know, that's not. That's the back. Uh, spanking does lead to babies, Sarah. The so uh, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I really do. But Sarah Michelle Gellar has really proven that she can only do that one that one thing. And as she herself discovered that she had no demonstrable ability or talent beyond Buffy, she kind of. She kind of got, I think, really bitter about the whole thing and started phoning it in, even on the Buffy series. So if you watch the last, I mean, if for some godforsaken reason you're watching the last couple seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just panning and panning and panning for small flecks of gold in this big pile of television mud, um, you'll notice that even Sarah Michelle Gellar stopped caring about the role. Also, I mean, you know, she's, I mean, she's not, not, I don't know, she's what, like 30-something, 30 32, 33, and Buffy is... You know, just is supposed to be, you know, she's kind of an eternal high schooler slash college girl. Um, also, the other people from the original series, it wouldn't really work to have, like, David Boreanaz come back. Uh, or what's his name? Um, uh, James Marshall is the guy that plays uh, Spike because they're vampires and they're not supposed to age. But clearly they will have aged. That's all understandable. You could have Allison Hannigan come back because uh, because she's perfect in every way. But now she remember, she had a couple babies, too. See, is that true? Uh-huh. Oh, that's right, because she's married to what's his sad. name, Alexis Denisoff from yeah. Angel. Anyway, the point is though, all none of these are deal breakers. What the, what what is just inexplicable to everybody is that they're making a new Buffy without Joss Whedon, which makes no sense at all. I mean, it makes so little sense that I can't even I can't even really find the words to properly express how retarded it is. I mean, it is it's a staggeringly bad idea. I mean, it's like they just sat down in a room and they said, okay, how can we take this franchise, which has proven successful, and make it an abysmal failure? What what steps shall we take? First, let's not have Joss Whedon involved at all. I mean, that right there. And here's the thing that they don't understand. Sometimes the studios just don't know who they're screwing with. Because if they do this Buffy project without Joss Whedon, not only will all the Whedonites not go to see it, but you mark my words, I'm on the record saying this now. The Joss Whedon fans will work to sabotage this project. 
I'm telling you right now, it's, it's so unbelievably ill-advised that they would do this. I mean, just from a dollars and cents business point of view. Oh, all right. Good God almighty. All right, I'm sorry. There well, you go. It's all too bad. There's your... <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I can tell it touches you. There's your geek watch. By Grabthar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. All right, so uh, do some more news for the people, Tim Riley. Well, these teenagers are keeping themselves busy these days. A newly released Nissan study says the typical teenager in the U.S. sends as many as 80 text messages each and every day, nearly 2,300 each month. Medical professionals becoming very concerned, saying all this thumbing may hurt them in the long run. Uh, these numbers come from a pediatrician in California who polls students at local high schools. The youngsters are already having sleep issues, responding to and sending out text messages all through the days and nights, just For, trying to keep up. A, does the article actually use the, uh, the verb thumbing? Yes, thumbing. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't really. I guess that wouldn't just be text messages, or that would be using your uh, like your BlackBerry, your iPhone, or whatever at all. Uh, that would be sort of a. Uh, I guess that any because there's so many things now. That's an interesting thing now that you think about it because the the use of the opposable thumb is what separates us from uh, you know from primates and so forth. But but there's so much stuff that you're using now that is thumb specific. I mean, and that, that wasn't really the case, uh, you know, up until probably 10, 12 years ago, because your Xbox is that way. Uh, your, uh, you know, your BlackBerry, your smartphone is that way. So probably, and you know, it's like if you have a GPS or something, a lot of those are programmed that way as well. So the kids of the future are probably going to have some sort of advanced super thumb type development uh, going on. Also this, here's the thing about the BlackBerry and Sarah's got the, not the same one I do, but she has a BlackBerry. Oh, and, and Nibbler just got a BlackBerry yesterday. It's awesome. It's the it's best, the greatest thing ever. best phone I've ever had. But you know what? I have uh, three different email accounts that go to my, you know, they all go to my BlackBerry all at once. And then, of course, it's texts texts and so forth. But, you know, the other day, I actually was trying to catch up on my email. And it it was that thing where literally they were just coming in faster than I could answer them. Because so so often you send somebody back an email and they respond. And I mean, I at one point I had to just turn off the check new mail function because I could not get the box down to zero. And I'm real anal retentive about that, where the box has to be, I have to get it emptied. It has to be gone. Every email has to be responded to and either deleted or filed away somewhere. And I couldn't get the email box down to zero, and it was driving me mental. And so, mental er. And so I actually had to turn off the uh, you know download new messages feature just so I could get the freaking thing to zero uh, and have it taken care of. It's hard being an American. Uh, let's do one more here. It's uh, Tim Riley. The world of Twitter is getting ready to move to the television. Variety is reporting that the online network is partnering with Reveal and Brillstein Entertainment to create a television series. Few details are forthcoming. They probably don't know what they're doing themselves. But they're putting ordinary people on the trail of celebrities in a revolutionary competitive format. Oh, this sounds like it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. It's already a disaster before it gets there. I've got a gun pointed at Robin Williams' head right now. Send. They're going to focus on the immediacy of Twitter coupled with television. Right. (laughs) Twitter. I barely knew her. Is that it? I think that's as good as we can do. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, you all take it easy on the I-405 out there, or if you're stuck on that 217 as it winds its way through the zoo. You just uh, try to find your way to work with a minimum of uh, difficulty and boggle, huh?
All right, I want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum for joining us today. Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian, Don Taylor from Cinematical, and Dax Holt from TMZ.com. Join us tomorrow when I guess we'll be at the dancing Peter Carlin uh, from The Oregonian. Rick Emerson, show produced today, today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. It is Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CNN, I'm sorry, CBS, uh, Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds, executive producer, Chris Paddock, smells like the 90s, it's next with our good friend, the Buzz. It is May 26, 2009. That is the frequency, Kenneth. Be safe. Thanks for listening. Bye. She is a typical white person. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.